This is Andrew Wetzel from Attack Attack, and you're listening to All Things Music Podcast. Tune in to All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another new episode of All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. I am your host, as usual, Ryan Katz, with my boy Ian Illyrian on the docket. What's up, Ian? What's up? How y'all doing out there? I mean, everybody's doing good, I guess, for what what this world is currently. Um, Before we get into what we're going to get into today, I want to explain why we haven't had an episode since mid-July. And really, what it comes down to, in my mind, and I'm an avid listener of podcasts. I don't know if you are, Ian, but I, I really like to listen to other podcasts to see what works for the people that are doing it right and what, you know, what kind of flow they have, what kind of quality they have, et cetera. And I've noticed with the ones that are really, like these days, only doing remote podcasts, the quality is diminished unless the guest that's like far away has a similar setup to what we have or or whatever so that the audio is much more clear. Because a lot of these Zoom calls, Skype calls, whatever, you get a lot of like reverb from, from, from different guests. We had Taylor Wallace on remotely and I mean it went really well but it wasn't the same as if he was here. So what I'm trying to do with this podcast is is make sure the listeners are getting quality where it's like they're in the room with us rather than just like, you know, troubleshooting whatever it may be. Uh, you hear it all the time if you listen to these podcasts where these guys will have a lot of latency or a lot of just like technical problems and I don't want to run into that. So when tours were still a thing, we were having guests on all the time because we would just go to the show and we would set it up with the TM and get you know the podcast done and it was one of the easiest things ever and now we have to be really innovative and figure out ways that we can still do these in person and bring these to you on a semi-frequent basis and long story short that's why we are here october what is it the 16th october 16th uh when our last episode was in mid-july um but it's worth everyone's wait because today I have a special guest with us, somebody who's Ian's been looking forward to for a long time, someone who, who I've uh, been admiring from afar for a lot of different reasons, but I'd like to welcome Andrew Wetzel. Uh, I don't know, and I was going to ask you this before we went on air and I forgot, do you prefer to be, I mean, you might not even have a preference, but do you prefer to be Andrew Wetzel of Attack Attack, Andrew Wetzel of Nine Shrines, formerly of Attack Attack? Like, what, it, what do you like to be introduced as? Uh, I don't really care. Uh, it's really, it's uh, it depends on who you're talking to. Okay. Uh, whichever one you think somebody else would know more would probably be the most important. Interesting. Thing. All right. What do you think? What do who do you think would know? I mean, in general population. I'm not sure. I just now I'm thinking in my head like how funny it would be if you just if like a plumber came to your house and introduced <laughs> themselves as a Led Zeppelin fan and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> you're not wrong. That's actually really funny. You know what I mean? Titles, you know, mean everything and nothing. So right. that's, that's just what for I think. For sure. Well, uh, they know where you are from now. So Yeah, but I, well, I would say at least for 
uh, I don't know if what your listener base is like or where most of them are from, but we're in Cleveland right now, and mm-hmm. I would definitely – well, actually, I don't know if that's – no, yeah. Still at this point, I would say more people in Cleveland know who Attack Attack is than Nine Shrines. Right. I would venture to say that for sure. Okay. Without too much trouble. Right. I think I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Off the rip, I want to tell a funny uh, funny story about about this, about how this uh, – not how this came to be, but what happened shortly after I booked you on here. Uh my co-host Ian here sent me a screenshot on Facebook of this article that said, uh, rumor, uh, attack, attack reunion being planned. Mm-hmm. And I, I just looked at the screenshot. I didn't like go research the article or anything. Right. I'm like, Oh sweet. We're going to have some, some killer talking points. And then, and then you, you got Rick rolled. D- oh, that's what happened. <laughs> so I see it on my, on my feed like two weeks after that. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me click on it and like do some deep diving and see what's up so I can talk about it. Yeah. I felt so small. Yeah. Well, I mean, even I got sent it and I, I got Rickrolled myself. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what's in this article. And then He's was, like, I, I didn't like, even oh, know, man. He's like, I'm part of the band and I didn't even know. So I clicked on it. I was going to ask you mm-hmm. if you set that up. No, I didn't. I w- <laughs> like. I really wish I could take credit for that, but unfortunately I can't. Oh, it was. Because that br- would be. It was brilliant. Because I was, funny. my, my, uh. Like I said, Ryan said he. I was really hyped for this. One of my dreams, man, was just to hang out with somebody from Attack Attack. Mm-hmm. Back in my scene kid days, my metalcore band, everything, mm-hmm. man. Right. And I also am a fellow drummer. Nice. So, yeah, a lot of you guys' stuff. Yeah. I'm, I might be fangirling a little bit right now. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's just really cool. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, man. After finding out about the podcast, I sent Ryan that, and I was like, if this is true. That would be absolutely the most perfect timing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to piggyback off of that, because I wanted to ask, because the the, I mean, it doesn't take a a uh, an expert to see this, but the difference in the culture of the scene now compared to when you guys departed the scene in 2013. Correct? Yeah. Um, is huge. Yeah. I mean, there's just a a, a, a a lot of positives and some negatives. Mm-hmm. Do you think if, what do you think would have happened or, or rather, I mean, just do you ever imagine yourself being still in attack attack and, and how that, how that would have went because of just, I don't know whether it is the, the, the PC culture or, or how, um, I hate to use cancel culture, but there's a lot of bands that are currently in that scene mm. type of atmosphere that more or less kind of let that define them. And I'm not going to mention anybody by name, of course. Yeah, I've seen that too. I, I don't, back in, when you guys were, I mean, whether it was Attack Attack or Asking Alexandria or, mm-hmm. or some of these other groups, you, there's no way you people could have gotten away with certain content now that they did back in oh yeah without question i mean well nobody could have gotten away nobody fan or band alike could have Mm -hmm. gotten away with like 80 percent of the shit that they did or said at that point because it was just i mean especially social media at at that stage was such a wild west scenario Mm -hmm. and also if you look at mainstream comedy at the time things that we watched that we all thought were funny like movies like waiting or you know dave Chappelle's old stuff oh that's a prime example the you know dave there's Chappelle thing. there's like tons of comedy at the time that all of us watched if you were in that scene at all or even anywhere close to it like you probably you watched the whitest kids you know on fuse and stuff like that and you know so that's the everybody talked like that everyone acted like that everybody was funny in that way and then well you know 
things change, time changes, culture changes, like people learn things and you know, whatever. But yeah, I mean, for sure. Like it definitely as that whole progress is messy in any form, in any way. And I think that that's had a huge impact on that scene in particular, as people try to either distance themselves from, uh, scandal or you know they try to be they try they basically there's it's like two types of people that i think are dragging down the actual cause of like progression in society is the people that are trying to co-opt it to make themselves famous which probably some of the artists you think are like really embrace the pc stuff well and that's a lot of people now in general right exactly like yeah, we'd probably name a lot of the same artists and be like that's whack like you're what you're doing is whack and because you're not doing it for the right reasons you're just doing it because you want to be you know you just want to be at the forefront of like change and you know sorry like you that sucks and then there's people that resist it and then there's you know people that are just engulfed by it they go down in flames because they just you know because they haven't changed and now they're under the microscope and like you're fucked so yeah not naming names but we know a lot of people like that in the scene right now for sure where it's like gotten embroiled in controversy well yeah because they don't they don't know how to read that change i mean they continue do they continue to do stuff that they've done for the last 10 years yeah but you know 2020 is a lot different than 2010 Mm -hmm. and like when some of these first albums like metalcore and stuff like Mm -hmm. some like stand up and scream um oh god you know what you made the album you tell me the name of the very first album with um, Austin Carlyle. I cannot think of the name right now. The EP or the record? The record itself. Someday Came Suddenly? Yes, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I know all the songs off it, and I could not think of that one song, the album title song. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, it's obviously, I mean, could you safely, like, release something like that now? Someday Came Suddenly? I mean, yeah, yeah, Someday Came Suddenly, yeah, but probably sure. not Stand Up and Scream. No, I mean. <laughs> At all. And no. then stuff like, like, Broken Side and yeah. Dot Dot Curve, which is not, I wouldn't, like, classify that as the same genre. Right. I guess, but, oh, God, no, It's that part of the same be. phenomenon. Right, right, yeah. yeah, the Screamo type of, yeah. Yeah, totally. Although I would, and like ho- Hollywood Undead stuff from that time too. Yeah. Oh, 303. That's 303. another one. 303 has not aged well. No. Well, I don't know you're if right. you've listened to some of their. Because I was thinking about them the other day and I'm like, damn, I remember back in 2007, 2008, I used to jam 303 along with everybody else so hard. I went back to listen to songs and I'm like, this is like rape music. Mm hmm. It's like, For it's sure. weird. This sucks. Like, I don't like this. I think it all started with Clay Aiken. You know, <laughs> yeah. If, if I what is it? If I wasn't invisible, I would watch you in your room. Woo! Talk about cringe. But I think yeah. at the same time, there are bands that are impervious to it, like Attila, for example. Mm. I mean, they obviously have a different fan base. Yeah, totally. I think there's some crossover, but I, 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 uh, I don't know. I, I think I guess it's one of those things where if you. How how do you think they got away with it? Like to be honest, because I'm thinking like okay if. Their music was just as as vulgar and as as brash and in your face back mm-hmm. in 20, tw- 2010 as yeah. it is now. Yeah. If anything, it's gotten more. Right. So how how can some bands make, make not even make a transition, just kind of stick to the, themselves without getting quote unquote canceled? Right. Well, the thing about the cancellations is, uh, at best, they're temporary. 
because people forget because they move on to the next thing. But I mean, also, yeah, look, if ten years ago nobody remembers any of that shit, like you just said. Yeah, I mean, well, and also the you know, like I've scrubbed a lot of stuff from social media that not necessarily because I thought anyone would think anything of it, but just. I, like I have an automatic thing on my Twitter timeline that tweets over three months get deleted automatically. And I don't know if it's still running right now, but I mean, I, I'm personally try to be really careful about curating what I say. And then if I look at it and I go, this could be misinterpreted. Like that's not what yeah. I meant. But now that I'm reading it again, I'm like, I could definitely see somebody misinterpreted. And that happens all the time, especially for me, because I have an extremely dry, sarcastic sense of humor. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you fire a shot and it doesn't hit the target at all. And oh, we're like, we're like that and, too. Well, I didn't mean yeah. it like that at all, but you know, but for like Attila with Franz in particular, like, he doesn't give a fuck. Like that's what he wants. He thrives off of that conflict but in the reality when you look at Attila and I mean I'm not an expert on their music and everything but it's not much different than what I see in like hip-hop culture as far as the kind of topics that they riff on and stuff like I don't really see anything in their music or in general that they do that's really that bad they're just edgy like he's a he's a meme lord like he's an edge lord yeah he's got the OnlyFans thing now like he's doing stuff that just pushes the envelope but it's not out of the ordinary it's interesting it's out of the ordinary in the sense of the package that he's putting it in and the way that he advertises himself but what there's nothing he's doing that's like new or crazy but he's loud about it and people hate him because he's doesn't give a shit like people can you can try to cancel him that's fine but if he doesn't give a fuck and he just keeps doing his stuff anyway that's all you have and that's where cancel culture gets this big dick where they think if they put enough pressure on someone that they'll do what they want. And most of the time they're right. Like big corporations bend the knee constantly when they probably shouldn't because they're encouraging, you know, bad behavior. But they're also building a false expectation that when, yeah. when you know, you get to an issue or a person that really needs it, uh, if you've already burnt the whole thing out, like then nothing's going to happen. Well, not only that, but then you've already created that false expectation where then you have to satisfy that one person. Yeah, right. Because you've already been like, oh, well, we took the L. Now this other person's coming at us, so we're just going to do what they say, mm -hmm. you know, the corporation thing. Yeah. It is weird. Uh, and I think with the Franz thing in particular, there's two types of people. People that are mad that people adapt. The, mm -hmm. the people that do adapt, and then there's there's the people that do adapt. I mm -hmm. said that kind of weirdly, but um, Franz is someone that definitely thrives in weird situations like that and can mm -hmm. adapt. I mean, the thing with the OnlyFans, what a brilliant! I mean, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, on a business really, side, on, I, I don't know what he's what his numbers are COVID, like, but like, dude, yeah. I mean, you're just you're basically just taking and stacking the money. And, you know, not many, especially not many male figures do things like that. Right. Um, obviously, there's an exponential increase and difference in female figures as opposed to male. Mm -hmm. So the fact that someone of Franz's stature in an already kind of secluded market to begin with mm -hmm. does something like that. I mean, it's personally, and I probably the weird one in the room, but I think it's a great business move on his end. And, um, I mean, all the power to them. And then people are going to hate people that are continuously successful, especially over a long amount of period of time. That just is what it is. And yeah. that's what either kills you or makes you in the industry. Yeah. Period. Yeah, I mean, to, f to finish my thoughts on, on the Franz thing in particular, that's a really interesting case. 
and I think we've met in passing maybe a couple of times. Um, but I'm not, you know, I would, I'm not like a supporter or a detractor, sure. but it just from the outside looking in, I see it and I, you know, I agree with you. I think what he's doing is smart business wise. Would I do the same thing? No, probably not. I think it takes a special person to be able yeah. to pull that off. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's interesting to observe that from the outside and just kind of watch it all happen and see all the input and output that's going through the entire situation. It just, I mean, it makes me scratch my head a lot. And he's not shy f- uh, 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 from his capitalistic gains, so to speak. So, like, oh, the, no. The other day he posted uh, on Twitter, uh, I he posted like a screenshot from, I don't know if it was a bank or from, from uh, some financial company that he has, but it said, you spent $10,000 less this month than last month or something ridiculous. Right. And it's like, bro, all right. And he's got his GT3 RS. He's got yeah. the nice house. He's got the... He just bought a new uh, G wagon, so he's yeah. he's balling out, and he's and he's and he's doing it like you said, no fucks given. So I think we're a point. If you don't give a fuck that much, everybody else is going to start not giving a fuck. Yeah, well, you're going to attract people that want to be a part of that, right. and then it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you can't alienate that fan base. So you can try all you want to tell him to fuck off, but it doesn't mean anything because the people that support what he does and are into that still and like think that edgy, you know, meme lord stuff is mm-hmm. tight then they, they're not going to be convinced otherwise. They don't give a shit. And on the other side of the spectrum, uh, just recently with The Ghost Inside, mm-hmm. their bassist got kicked out of the band. Yeah, sexual like assault right before. Like, and, and immediately. Was it? No, it wasn't sexual assault. I was, it was because of a, a racial slur thing. Maybe it was that. Okay, yeah. my bad. Um, it, was, it was for something egregious. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they... Pulled the trigger pretty quick, and we're like, "Hey, man, we got to we, we mm-hmm. got to say bye bye." Yeah, because it was kind of during that time. I don't know if it was like last year. There was a certain time period where yeah. it was trendy to like kick out your band members. Yeah, it was like immediately before or during their last release. Yes, and they just came out a month ago and said, "We did this too quickly." Yeah, there, we don't see. You know, there's not as much evidence as we thought there was. They didn't say we're going to bring them back. Mm-hmm. But I hope it's like a a, a, a hindsight to other bands, mm-hmm. like okay, or not even bands, just in general. But don't don't act so quickly. Like make sure you have everything, because yes, of course, there's obviously guilty people out there. There's, yeah. there's horrible people out there that are in bands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's 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 a lot of great people that do this for a living, and we've seen how how quickly it can it can go away in the in the covid era mm-hmm. so why even make that worse with with other factors that are in our control mm-hmm. i just think some sometimes unless it's it's like really like okay the dude's on camera saying the n-word or something ridiculous like that right like, take a second step back you know your brand is obviously extremely important when you're in a band you have mm-hmm. to make sure that you stay relevant but mm-hmm. even more so you stay you know, squeaky clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in doing so, don't, don't, don't make decisions that are going to actually hurt you more in the long run, which I think that that's yeah. part of it. Well, I mean, sage advice, but easier said than yeah, done for, for sure. sure. But yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's another thing that I have kind of a beef with just the, the whole, the like PC movement is that it's very mob justicey. It's very pitchforky yes. and torchy and there's very little justice in a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of crossfire and there's also, 
I mean, we see it all the time and a lot of this doesn't get ignored, but I mean, there are tons of false accusations out there and that's, that's a problem. And when you're, when you work too fast to be like, yeah, I just don't like that person. So fuck them. They're guilty. I mean, you see that shit all the time. People are so, I mean, even before that kind of stuff. And I was just talking to uh, one of my colleagues about this when we were discussing marketing Mm -hmm. for bands. And I was like, I'm never going to spend another ad dollar on Facebook marketing ever again because Facebook is so fucking toxic. Uh Like even when you market to your fans, all they do is talk shit to you on your page that they went out of their way to fucking like and subscribe to and to even see the post. And they're like, wow, this is fucking whack. Like, what do you think makes Facebook so much different than, I mean, listen, Twitter is just as toxic Instagram's yeah. toxic but Facebook is like next it's level on its own demon shit. pit yeah totally and, and why I mean I you, you're you generally when you're commenting you're replying you're doing the same thing on a different platform but for whatever, whatever reason you go to any local news or, or major news outlet and they post an article that is it doesn't even have to be political it mm-hmm. could be just something completely you know uh, eight year old buys pineapples for her, her entire family. I don't mm-hmm. know, something random as hell like that. And you could see comments under there like yeah. BLM or or Sport the Blue. It's like it has nothing to do with anything. And I'm yeah. like, are these people bots? Are they real? Are they just starting to start shit? And why Facebook? Yeah. Well, part of it, the, the simple answer is Facebook and every other major app, like social media app like that, their biggest concern is keeping eyes on the platform as long as possible because that's how they drive. Um, ad exchanges, which is revenue for them. And so Facebook has already made it very clear the only thing they care about is ad revenue, is driving ad revenue. They don't give a shit about anything, which oh, yeah. is why they're getting I mean, in trouble for everything. They're a big council board company. I mean, they're, yeah. they're a company. But <laughs> they also have, they put a lot of time and effort into algorithms and yeah. algorithms that learn behavior of people. And I think what might have happened to them is they basically... Skynet has assumed control for them (laughs) in the sense that the formula says that human beings are more likely to interact with the platform more frequently and longer if they're fucking pissed. So now now the platform itself is just delivering you content that has made you furious. So every minute that you're... And this happens to me all the time. Like I can only look at Facebook for about two minutes at a time before I get pissed. Like it happens to me every day. I just check to see like, has anybody in my family done something? Close friends... I've only got like 200 friends on Facebook and I still get pissed off. And you know, it's like, I literally open it, check, see if anything crazy happened, close it. Or I open it, make a post. And you know, every time it's going to be something crazy too, because that's what it puts at the very top. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So it's just, it's nonsense. So from that aspect, it's, I know a lot of people that spend a lot of time on Facebook and yeah, they're pissed because everything that's on Facebook, everything gets shared the most is all negative. All of it. Yeah, that's true. And you so know, so then not- I go and say like, "Hey guys, got a new song." They're like, "Fuck you, your band blows." It's like, "Well, what the hell? <laughs> Didn't you buy all the albums? Dude. Like, what the what's yeah. going on here?" Like, not only that, what's weird about it, and if you think about this, is obviously like over time, social media, certain social media appeals to certain generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not, I'm gonna throw this card, but it's true. Um, back in the day, MySpace. It was all the younger people. No, yeah. no old people were on any type of social media at all. They still use emails. Yeah, I mean, shit, they still do. Yeah, they were on MSN. Exactly, <laughs> exactly though. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what's interesting is then they started 
figuring about MySpace. Yeah. Then, then when your grand and I remember me for me personally, my grandparents. Shout out to them because they listen to this shit. So no offense, but <laughs> they got on MySpace. I couldn't talk as much shit. So then you know what I did is I made a Facebook account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now. Now, over time, the majority of people I'm friends with and the majority of, you know, my group, because this was, was a time period, is on Facebook. Right. But then the problem is, is, oh, well, now they're on Facebook. And yeah. it's just, you know, now the thing is TikTok. Now, mm-hmm. do I go on fucking TikTok? Hell no, not really. Not yeah. really, except for music stuff or, I don't know, I've been thinking about going on TikTok. Just, I don't even do it for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shit. So you got a little bit higher standards than what I do, but I just I looked but, at it. I'm like, I don't. This doesn't vibe with my voice on social name, media. Name so. one younger person you know that does not have TikTok and talk about it constantly, like how we used to talk about yeah. Facebook, yeah, and MySpace, yeah. I mean, oh, seriously, they all do. yeah, yeah. And TikTok is a very Gen Z and forward platform. And, and you know, the, it's weird because and I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Is the the older I get the more, or sorry, the less tolerant I become. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I think it's because I know more and I just expect certain things to happen in return. Mm-hmm. So now I just got this jaded view. So now imagine if you're 60 or 70 and you're on Facebook yeah. and it's just constant, oh, well, this person posts this. So I'm going to give them peace of my mind like it gives yeah. fucking shit anyway. Yeah, right. You know, and that's so right. then it, and then because like you said, the Facebook AI, it puts that shit at the top because they know what engages. Yeah. And it's just negative negative mm-hmm. negative and now that's yeah. the whole platform yeah and that's what the money's driving because you spend money to get likes you spend money to drive engagement you spend money to do a call to action so it's like the money that you put in the platform is literally just being turned into negativity yeah. you're taking american currency and turning it into anger it's really amazing yeah <laughs> it is pretty amazing did you watch the social dilemma uh-uh okay so on netflix there's a documentary it's like top 10 in the world right now called the mm-hmm. social dilemma talk about getting pissed yeah because this this documentary uh they interview all like the not founders like mark zuckerberg or anything but they interview the people that were on the ground floor of mm-hmm. facebook yeah and instagram mm-hmm. and these other and twitter and stuff and these people are like we thought we were creating something amazing and yeah now we have so much regret yeah because of what it's done and there's great things it's done of course yeah. i wouldn't personally have a job without facebook yeah but it's like splitting the atom. It is. <laughs> like, well, we made the bomb, but we also have nuclear energy, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, right. So it's it's, it's But it tough. seems that this is being used more for bad than good. So what I took away from the documentary was much more nihilistic than what most people took away from the documentary. Right. The documentary talks about, again, how algorithms will feed you misinformation, how bots will take over different posts and, and do all these things. And my takeaway is that in a very general sense, and uh, this is something that that is, I'm sure, going to blow back at me, but people, humans, are not smart. Mm -hmm. Humans are very impressionable people. Mm -hmm. And because of that, especially in in the political climate we're in, no matter what side anybody's on, Mm -hmm. the amount of misinformation that is believed off the rip is just, it's inexcusable. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do research. No one wants to look past a headline. Mm-hmm. No one wants to, and I have this issue with my father a lot because he's on a different side of the aisle than I am. And we, you know, he sends me these sources or these articles of different things from joeschmo.com, like like mm-hmm. a, a website that was built 
by some blogger in his basement doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, I'm willing to read about this subject if you can send it from a reputable source. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by a reputable source doesn't necessarily mean mainstream media. Mm-hmm. It just means a source with an editorial board, a source with, with filtration, a source that has mm-hmm. where you're not just literally typing, pressing enter, and it's on a website. There's, right. there's steps to get it there. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I don't get mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So that's a, a bigger issue, too, is there's just so much misinformation. Whether I mean, there's even stuff up in, in music that just goes around that, that you know, it, it'll be some guy on a blog and then Metal Sucks gets it or Lamb Goat gets it yeah. or, or Blabbermouth or whoever. And then yeah. it turns into this thing that mm-hmm. never was supposed to be. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't know if there's an answer. Uh, no, there's not. It's just there's the... got to be something down the road. We can't keep going this way, you know? Well... You're right, and we won't, but a lot of it has to do with, I'm a source material guy, so I, coffee does to me what Adderall does to everybody else. Uh, it's not required at all. I'm like 100% 24-7 all the time. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but because of that, I just, with my unlimited attention span, if I want to know about something, I will go to great lengths to find out about it. And this is a really fortunate thing for me, something that my music career delivered me was, you know, when I'm not on stage or like on tour, I all of my time is mine. So whatever I'm interested in, whatever I want to do, I can learn about it. I have the time to do that. I have this, you know, amazing opportunity and privilege to just to be able to fuck off and pursue whatever I'm interested in. And because of that, I've worked a ton of different jobs. Like I've gotten into all kinds of crazy stuff that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do if I was stuck just pursuing one career. And that's awesome. But so I dig through source material. I look at if the Department of Health in Ohio is uh, publishing their stats on COVID, I'm reading the stats. If the CDC changes or, you know, amends a table or releases new data, I'm reading that. I'm looking at it. And then I'm looking at what's being reported on it and seeing that it's totally wrong. And that even, and this is why Amy Acton had to step down, and this is also why Mike DeWine, I hope to God, gets recalled, but definitely won't get reelected, has to do with the fact that a lot of people missed this. The Ohio Department of Health was releasing all of this uh, data on COVID on their website, and actually a investigative journalist in Mansfield got a hold of all of it and was like, oh, hang on a second. And, you know, a restaurant, Cedar Point, um, like all the amusement parks, and then gyms and there were a few other big lawsuits that took place that were all ruled against the state and uh, one of the big things was that the state mike dewan and amy acton specifically were getting on television and they were misrepresenting the figures that were being published to the public on the health department's website and so because of that they um that I think that was a big part portion of the cases. The next thing was that the regulations that they put into place and the fines and all kinds of other stuff, they don't have the legal authority to do that. And more importantly, now as things have kind of shook out, the you know the whole COVID dilemma is not at all the way it was presented to, to us in March. Not even close. Like, not even close. But here we have tens of millions of workers in the entertainment industry, me being one of them that I'm never going back to work as far as I fucking know. And there's no, it's not part of the discussion, which is interesting to me because meanwhile, Live Nation is about to bend us all over and fuck us into the next century. Can you you explain that for people about the Live Nation thing? Well, 
so in, in a short TLDR. Yeah. So right now, about 90% of independent music venues will very likely not be able to return to business because they because all of them were scraping by week by week as it is. And yeah. that's for a variety of reasons. So there's going to be an enormous vacuum in the concert space specifically at the end of this whole fucking disaster, which we don't know when it's going to end or how or if there's gonna, like there's no plan. Yeah. Well, I've got my theories, too. But also, I mean, like as of today, you know. What what day is it again? October sixteenth. Yeah, I mean we're we're getting towards the end of twenty twenty and with no idea of what the fuck is going on. Yeah, has it been two weeks yet? <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean we we've, we've been in this shit for. Dude, my last job was March eighth. Okay, think about that. And I had a big year lined up for all kinds of yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean and we it, did too. We had all type of shit, and it was like, oh, this year's gonna be popping. Then COVID. Then we're like, oh, well, it'll be a month. It'll be two months. And then it was like. Holy fuck! No, nothing's ever gonna happen. Yeah, that. I manage musicians for a living, mm-hmm. so I feel you. Yeah, I have, I have, I mean, I, I, uh, March first, I think I had fifty clients. I'm down to about eight, mm-hmm. and the eight that have stayed on are, uh, you know, I appreciate every second of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been able to send them as many opportunities by far as I used to, and I'm really struggling to be innovative yeah, in that way. Because there aren't any. <laughs> no, right. Yeah, there's nothing. It sucks. I mean, my only saving grace is the fact that last year I started a, like a custom gun company. Oh, so really? That was, can, you, can you plug that real quick? Uh, yeah, it's called Central Ohio Cerakote, and we do custom gunsmithing, and Cerakote is a type of coating, and we do like all kinds of crazy custom camos and all kinds of cool stuff like that. There you go. So I had just... I had just started that last July of 2019. That's like when that took off. But in the rest of the time, like for doing music, when I'm not doing that, I'm doing the Syracote thing. When I'm not doing that, I work in corporate event production too with my singer from Nine Shrines, Chris. And our front of house guy, John, is the dude that got us the job. And we work out of like... Macedonia, Macedonia area is where we're based out of, but we we like we did a huge event here uh, at the Stan Hewitt Botanical Gardens in Akron. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, really. And yeah. you know, we do we've done events at, fucking everywhere, but we come in and build stages, PA systems, lighting rigs, like big big production stuff, and it's really lucrative. It's just kind of spotty work. So we had this huge schedule for this year, and it's all fucking canceled. We had tons of music things planned, all of it's canceled. Like indefinitely nobody knows anything they're starting to reschedule concerts for next like 2021 in the summer well but and if you look at it it's like that not even just the summer but you're talking like the end of summer like going into winter yeah, july august yeah yeah into which is which yeah. is i mean that's crazy i mean you take yeah. you take one of the biggest industries in the country mm-hmm. and then you bury it and not only are we talking in uh entertainment industry but it's weird they've gone after bars and alcohol mm-hmm. and things like that in general. Yeah, last call ten super, p.m. Okay, super hard. It's like the fucking. It's like the fucking prohibition. Yeah, I mean, there's a while where you could not drink it, like for months at all. Mm-hmm. Now, and what's interesting about this and what I really have a hard time figuring out is Dewine. I don't know if you know this, but Dewine a couple days ago has made a permanent decision that for the rest of time in Ohio anyway, that you, that these bars and businesses can now do to go drinks. Oh, I mean, that's probably the only good thing to come out of this, but 
but now that people can actually go out now that things are only open until 10 no one's buying to go drinks anymore and then by now that that's happened now they're like oh well now you can do it so but i mean when we went out we, we just bought like 10 beers at so, last call and then sat there and kept drinking them so until one the when it actually had to close what's the difference between things being open till two or you know three like they used to be yeah and ten i'll take I there mean, is no difference for 500 alex and if like, anything what you? you're creating a more concentrated group of people because they all go at nine yeah and now all of a sudden you got this and it's just i mean when you think about it it yeah. doesn't make any sense no and that indirectly hurts obviously the entertainment industry yeah and these bars and these venues yeah. that stay open to those times well who the fuck's going at home at nine or ten o'clock yeah ain't nobody going home at nine or ten o'clock yeah Come dude on. before this we would go out to the bar at 11 that's like when you would go out oh yeah yeah oh yeah ridiculous yeah college. i mean it's nonsense <laughs> but to, to go back to the live nation thing so they know that they're going to be the only game in town left and right. because of that they made a big announcement several months ago which is horrible but so they're reducing artist guarantees 20 percent across the board if you cancel a show you have to pay them double what they were guaranteed to pay you if they cancel a show, you get half of what they guaranteed to pay you, which is fucked. Like, that's totally this fucked. This has to be litigated. There's no way they can get away with this. They can do whatever they want because if there's no competition, whatever. Also, there's antitrust laws that, that could. It's got to be yeah, something. Listen, here. fuck the government. All right. Yeah, They've yeah. never done anything good for us. Wrong. And if COVID hasn't made that the most apparent that it ever could be, then I can't help you. You yeah. know what I mean? Anyone that thinks that the solution to, to like, business or. <laughs> Your success has anything to do with the government. I got some bad news for you. They, they are failures. That's what they do is fail you. Yes. And COVID has been one of the biggest demonstrating factors of that. Of even in what was presented immediately as this like once in a hundred years like bubonic plague event, they still made it all about politics. Yes. At a local, state, and you know, national and international level. You've got the, the World Health Organization's lying about shit. Everyone's got their puppets out there. They're paying to make it seem like this or seem like that. or get Like, it's this giant fucking power struggle that's all driven by money. And this is warfare, is what we're looking at. Warfare is economic in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. It's all data space. And COVID is a weapon. Now, whether it was designed that way or released mm. that way or that's whatever, a whole different rabbit hole. you can think about that any way you want. But the Pretty way sure Randy Marsh fucked a bat, and that's how it happened. I think it was a uh, uh, shit. What was it called? Uh, what was the second thing? Uh, a parrot, pen a pangolin, pe pangolin. Yeah, no, did was, you watch the South Park pandemic? Yeah, special? dude, yeah. I cried. That, that it was, was so fantastic. good. Fantastic. I'm Stan Marsh. Where, sure. Yeah, <laughs> wear your chin diaper <laughs> for sure. I think so. I try to. I try to do this with just about everything. I would take a really pragmatic, centrist approach in everything. Mm. And specifically with coronavirus, 200,000 people is horrible. Mm -hmm. Any death is horrible. Mm -hmm. as allegedly. Al allegedly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We can C go into... Well, the CDC has been quietly changing their figures. Yeah. So now it's you only have 9,200 deaths that are singularly attributed to COVID. Okay. The remainder have between... Two and six, but the average is 3.4 comorbidities, right. meaning you have 3.4 serious fucking health issues mm -hmm. on top of corona. Mm -hmm. So that changes it. Then if you reduce it by age group or if you're in, uh, I forget what the term was. It's like a controlled community. Basically, if you don't live in a nursing home or a prison, like fucking whatever, <laughs> if you remove just those two outliers from all the data, it knocks out like 80% of it. Mm-hmm. So it's you're looking at people that are old and sick or just really sick are primarily victims of COVID. But if it's not COVID, it's the flu. If it's not the right. flu, it's like my grandma when she died, she had cancer. 
but she died of uh, pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Like you, at a certain point, you get fucked by either being old or having other issues that compromise your immune system. And the next thing you know, you have scarlet fever and like none of us are ever going to get scarlet no. fever. It doesn't exist. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like your if your immune system is in any kind of shape, it'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. And that COVID is no exception. Like, yeah, it's a little bit worse than the flu, but there's double reporting, triple reporting. There's all, it's just a mess because the government got involved. So hell yeah, it's a fucking mess. Like nobody knows anything. And in five years after the dust has settled and they go back through and look at it, it's they're going to be like, yeah, well, we lost about 50,000 people. Five Actually, years, huh? I'm giving it more like 30. Because no. I do think that this this goes pretty deep and it's going to be something similar to whether it's JFK or MKUltra mm-hmm. in the sense that we really won't know the true picture until... So-and-so is declassified. Well, none of this is classified because... That we know of. All the data... Well, that we know of. But I mean, all the data that everyone is using is available to the public. It's all coming from the CDC. It's all coming from local health organizations, et cetera, et cetera. There's no way to really put a lid on the data about COVID. But after time progresses... um, if the picture changes in a way that's unflattering to, you know, the powers that be or whatever, then you just won't hear about it. And no one, like you said, no one's going to do their research. I'll be paying attention. I'll be complaining about it five years from now. But I think that data will be available to say like, all right, this is legitimately how many people got fucked by it. And it's going to be probably somewhere around what the regular flu is. And even, even in our current time, not even five years from now, uh, three or four weeks ago, Ohio was at a record low 2.7 positivity percentage. You mm-hmm. hear shit about it. Yeah. You hear nothing about it. Dude, we don't celebrate positive things no. ever. It's only negative. Right. Everything is negative. And with all this said, you and me are relatively powerless over all of this. Right. So whether what whatever I have to do to get things back to normal, I'm still going to do. And I know the government loves to hear that. Yeah, right. But I'm still go- I'm going to wear my mask if that means we're we're going to get back to it. Yeah, I, you know, I no one likes wearing a mask. No, no one does. No, I figure Death Punch came out with a song today or a video today, uh, and this is like the hottest news relating wearing masks to communist Russia, mm. which I think is a is a little extreme for my taste, but I think that comes with the territory of it's being very on five brand. Yeah, it's very on brand for them. And for sure. pandering for their fans, which is totally fine. I understand Dude, what that is. They know their fans, which is why they pack arenas out. Exactly. So um that's on one hand and I do find it hilarious that this <laughs> we're talk we're sitting here talking about what COVID may actually be. We're mm-hmm. talking about cool gun camo mm-hmm. whatever things that are not normally associated with the current scene yeah. culture which is yeah. interesting because we have uh, someone from a band in a group of bands who are considered quote unquote legendary in the scene culture today mm-hmm. so this might for those that are listening that are a part of the culture today this might give i i hope and this is something that i try to do a lot is even though I feel a certain way about a lot of things, I'm very opinionated on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people who know me who listen to this are laughing their ass off right now. Right. Um, I try to not live in an echo chamber. I try to right. listen to other podcasts of people that I disagree with. That yeah. I, because I just, I, I want to know everything. And if I'm wrong about something, I want to know why. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, educate myself on that. I think people yeah. these days don't do that at all. It's literally, no. I only watch CNN. I only watch Fox News. Yeah. I only, you know, so hopefully with your crossover of this current culture with what we're talking about, yeah. will help other people possibly 
diversify their their mental process. Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's a big thing about it too is when we were talking about algorithms driving emotion. That's a big th- one of the big things and I see this a lot with creatives and with artists especially is most creatives also have very active emotional, you know, personalities. Like they from experience? They yeah. <laughs> Are you talking from experience? Yeah, they they <laughs> feel quickly. Yeah. I am not like that. I was not born that way. I did not grow up that way. Like I have a specific personality and I've like gone I have sought psychiatric help and been to a therapist because for a really long time I thought that I was fucked like that I that I'm fucked and that I must be you know a psychopath or something because I don't feel emotions but the reality is there there are people like me out there that just don't have that I'm cognitive like 95% of me is cognitive I think Mm -hmm. about how I feel I don't like I decide that I feel frustrated or angry or whatever and so I was having all these problems with relationships of all types because i would see how other people act and just based off of you know 70 you just didn't even understand it you couldn't like yeah well 70 percent of communication is nonverbal in nature so there's all kinds of different cues that come along with it and i'm like i am not like that i don't i don't feel the same way you feel at all and so for a long time like there's something wrong with me but the reality is there isn't i just only represent like 10 percent of the human population but because of that the like the battle for my emotions is a waste of resources because you can't like you can't I'm difficult to manipulate because I don't care because I'm not on that same plane. But most people are. So most marketing is based on emotional manipulation and it just doesn't it doesn't work on people that don't fucking feel. So there we are. Well, yeah. And especially coming from like the standpoint of like what you said, a legendary um, type of band and stuff is. The ability to kind of see through that and then work your way and wade through those things mm-hmm. uh, definitely makes it easier. And then it also makes you just as mad. Yeah. Because you're like, man, now I'm suffering because everybody else is doing some other bullshit. And I'm over here like, what the hell is wrong with the rest of the population type of thing? Right. And every time I open my mouth, I get shouted down about this. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck yeah. me. You're right. But that, that's the thing is what you were to your to your credit, Ryan, when you were saying it's like, well, I'm still just one person. Like, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm fucking furious about the fact that like my entire livelihood has been taken from me for now at this point, yeah, according to the data for no real reason. And now they're backing it off and making these weird, stupid regulations about, well, you, you just keep the to go beers because that's the only yeah, thing that's, that's pulling well. Yeah. And I mean, it's what like, the what the fuck is that, dude? Dude, you legally let me buy 12 beers at 10 o'clock and continue to sit there and drink them until one. Like what then why bother just keep it open make one last call go back to two make it three who fucking cares Well, and they seem to be you know with their little um, What do I call it? They put together that group of people that go to the bars undercover to shut them down. Yeah narcs We call them narcs. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, they're snitches And if anyone didn't remember snitches get stitches. It's like they're on this weird conquest i want to know who did they hire to do this to just kill every single i mean honestly we're obviously kind of from the same i mean we're from the same area northeast ohio yeah we used to have clubs and bars and venues yeah we used to have fun yeah you remember that (laughs) yeah yeah not in the shit they did all this in in a year and we're talking about i mean under a year Mm -hmm. and and we're talking about who the fuck knows when yeah, until right. we go to. I mean, how much more can they kill? They're going to kill 
what's ever left and then all these big and and you know what would be interesting and this may be really far-fetched and really down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. is obviously the people these political figures are are have their hands dipped into a lot of different things financially mm-hmm. i would be really curious to see obviously certain venues aren't closing and they seem to be fine what yeah. they have their hands dipped to, into and what they don't Obviously, there'd be no way for the common people to see that, but they've went on this weird crusade of seemingly targeted places. Yeah, and and I don't know, just shutting down everything locally and then going on their own prohibition crusade. And I mean, why why would you now make to go drinks, you know, available and never have done that before? Because you got to placate people. I mean, yeah, they just play the fucking shit out of this. Don't worry, Mike DeWine. When I'm driving away from my favorite taqueria with a 32-ounce margarita, I still will be at the front of the line to vote to have your ass recalled. (laughs) And if we lived in a society where we could string you up by your feet and tar you and feather you, I would be there cheering and eating popcorn and drinking that very same 32-ounce frozen margarita. There's one very important question I have for you about that. Yeah. Would you TikTok it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, um, at that point, I might as well just call the police and turn myself in. Right. Like, you, come on, <laughs> we're smarter than that. Um, so my my biggest issue in all of this, we all clearly have our own uh, passions or, or angry passions of mm-hmm. COVID. My biggest one out of everything else is the false equivalencies. Yeah, oh yeah. So when you have the bread Mike and DeWine, who I've been iffy with at times, when you have him saying something like Trump campaign rallies are exempt from the masks Mm -hmm. and exempt from the six feet Mm -hmm. and you see in dayton or wherever it was or i don't know toledo where there is just a mass Mm -hmm. amount of people like we would love to have at concerts yeah right we can't have that right but they can have that yeah what they're not just all of a sudden immune from covid because they're at a campaign rally right right yeah they've got the same level well i mean there's like i think right now the active the active uh, stat for cases of COVID that go asymptomatic or like uh, just straight up immunity is like 70%. Mm -hmm. So 70% of us could have been exposed already. I was, I guarantee it. And already. So I went to, I went to NAM this year. If it's as viral as they say it is, if the virality of it is as high as they say it is, then there's a, you're looking at an outrageous amount of exposure. I think you're right. Zero. I went to NAM this year in LA in January before things were yeah fucked. right. And the third day I was there, I was I was sick. Mm-hmm. I was like in the hotel room, like not yeah. feeling well, like all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And for those that don't know about NAM, there's at least thirty countries represented, if not more. And totally. I saw plenty of people who on their name tag it said they were from China. Yeah, totally. Or from wherever. Mm-hmm. So I have no doubts. Yeah, uh, you know it, it's it's one of these things. But what really bothers me is is don't have these these exemptions because they just forget about us yeah well you you know why they had to make that exemption right i mean it's all about pleasing the man well not even that it's not even about it's not about him dewine has to because if he doesn't they will fucking come for him yeah because like it doesn't matter if twenty thousand people show up to a rally for trump someplace they're doing it because they're already foaming at the mouth. Right. That is not a crowd that you want to piss off. No. If they're already going to turn out in the same numbers as pre-COVID, like during a whole global pandemic, they're fucking furious. And if you tell them they can't go to that, oh, hell no. 
They're going to be at the governor's oh, mansion that night. They're relentless, too, because this is all after Herman Cain went to his indoor uh, rally in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then died two weeks later. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, I don't care. I'll still go. Like, yeah. like, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, but you're right. Like, okay, if they can do that, then I can put on a fucking rock show. Yes. Like, listen, I don't... If if, if we all have to wear masks inside Yeah, a venue, I'll sign the waiver. I'll do it. I'll sign the waiver. I'll yeah. get the temperature checks. I'll get the thing up my nose if I have to. Yeah. I, I won't do that. I'll that. sign a waiver. That's the amount that I'm going to do. And okay. you're going to fucking like it. I want concert Government, concert. you can yeah. fuck off. If you want me to sign something that says that I understand the risk and everything and that I'm not, you know, under duress and, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, ca- I'm capable of... Mm-hmm. You know, conducting myself under my own agency, then I'll be like, yes, I understand that COVID is a risk, and I don't give a fuck. Signed, me, Andrew Wetzel. And I'm I like, think testing fine. is just as bad because I don't know if you're a sports fan, but with the NFL right now, I've heard about a lot of you know the whole rigmarole that's yes, going on there. Yes, there's a lot of false <laughs> positives, circus. a lot. Yeah, and it depends on which test you're talking yes, about. Yes, the PCR tests are not reliable. Yeah, some of them it's like a fifty plus percent mm-hmm. false, false. So positive. then you have the you. What happens is you have a team that is practicing for the game in the week and then mm-hmm. on a Friday they'll get two presumed positive tests and they'll right. have to close the facility down so the whole team can't practice for right. a whole day yeah. then the next day they go oh, I'm sorry they were they were negatives meanwhile the team lost and I get this, this is sports this is trivial yeah. but they lost an entire practice day and then they got to go into a, g- a game with a competitive disadvantage yeah. or whatever it is it, it's yeah. like that in life though it I might mean, be trivial for you but for the rest of us that bet on you know basketball or and shit right. like get the fuck out of here you're yeah. fucking my odds all up <laughs> for sure I'm on FanDuel crying like for what do you sure. want from me I'm just kidding I don't do that but I know people that are very serious about it but yeah i mean that's chaos that but it's unneeded chaos mm-hmm. that's sh- 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 so what is what is it and i don't i again this is going to sound tinfoily but what if there is some sort of cabal going on mm-hmm. where the 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 government whether they saw an opportunity which you can say similar to, to 9-11 you know saw an opportunity type of thing yeah if they saw an opportunity with the virus meaning they didn't deliberately put it out which i don't believe that i i think it it there's suspicious things in wuhan but i don't think the united states deliberately did anything here mm. i think once it was out they might have said okay here we go mm-hmm. what is the motive and what what are they looking to get at the end of all of this oh uh, well i mean obviously this all has to do with this is i mean I understand how this sounds, so I will preface it I with... I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to preface it with, I don't care at all, but from a strict analysis standpoint and just applying Occam's razor, which is the simplest explanation, is overwhelmingly likely to be the correct answer. Okay. When you look at um, all the things that are going on, and this is really difficult because you kind of have to follow, you have to follow a lot of... You know, you ever watch It's Always Sunny? Yeah. And then Charlie gets that job yep. in, in the mailroom. And he's getting, you go down there, he's like smoking cigarettes, and there's fucking, you know, yarn and shit. Got on the board. Can we talk about the mail? Like, I've been dying to talk about the mail. <laughs> like, I've been dying to talk about the mail for a really long time. But, you know, when you look at what the likelihood that China either did this on purpose or took advantage of, uh, of a scenario that benefited them in their long term interests is higher than this just being an accident. I can agree with that. And a lot of that can be, tra- you know, my reason for thinking that has to do with the trade negotiations, which I'm using air quotes because they weren't really negotiations. Trump was like, fuck you, China. Mm-hmm. Like, that's enough. Mm-hmm. You've been fucking this whole country over and you and all your buddies out here that you've been paying, you know, money, Joe Biden being one of them, that all those allegations that came out, like, 
all that shit is part of criminal investigations that were either silenced or whatever because the whole government is rotten and corrupt and terrible. And I don't care who you support, but you shouldn't be supporting any of them because they're awful. It's not great. Yeah. It's a racket. And it's just... it's Especially f- anybody older than 40. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> even the younger ones, it's just, it's fucked. It's yeah. completely fucked, and they create this false dichotomy that you, like, have to pick the Democrats or the Republicans, and it's, they're all, they're all fucked. Like, they've got their own scams going on. George Bush's thing was, you know, you had Halliburton going on with Dick Cheney and all this defense contracting, and, like, yeah. people got filthy-ass rich after 9-11. This is 9-11 on fucking steroids. This is 9-11, but the way like we were traumatized by 9-11 in the sense that it's like, wow, that's terrible, and I'm afraid. it's At least it's happening somewhere that I'm not at, unless you live in New York. Or it's when you know the boys in camo get on the planes and go, it's, that's somewhere else. That's not here. COVID is an unseen, unknown, could be anywhere. One of us could have it. We're going to die. Like The amount of fear that's being pushed into people is insane. And I think all of it has to do with the election. And I think it's China wants to get rid of Trump because they know that if he gets reelected, I mean, they've lost a shit ton of money. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Like what you're saying. And it's going to go up. He's going to fucking double down on that shit next time. And I know a lot of people that do investing in shit and with american manufacturing in specific there are there are billions of dollars tens of billions of dollars in potential investments waiting for november 4th that if biden wins that money's going back to china it's like just if like Trump a massive wins, bet they're it's making what it is. multi-billion dollar investments in manufacturing yep. in the united states and that for china and this is a big thing that you need to understand this also helps form the foundation of my understanding of this and also why i'm saying this is china is a collective society in the west here in america we are individualistic it's you pursue the american dream your version of the american dream you do that in china that doesn't exist there is a very strict, rigid social caste system. You are born into a certain level of it, and you work in it. If you're born a factory worker, your children, your grandchildren, their children will be factory workers. You, there is no vertical mobility in their society. And they're collective and communist, which means that they work as a whole, as a collective. China's plans are 100 years in the future. What they're doing today is going to foment into a plan that is fluid for the next century. So they are working to achieve goals 100 years down the road. And that sounds like science fiction to us here because that's so outside of our culture and outside of our society and the way we think. But that's how they think and operate. So for them, this this change in America's foreign policy is going to cost them trillions of dollars over the course Mm -hmm. of the next several decades. And it is worth it to them to do some shit like this because this is what warfare is now. China can't go to war with America because we will fuck them. But no country can go to war with any other country because you're going to end up destroying the board. So there is the mutually assured destruction of conventional warfare, which is why everything is data. Everything is hacking. Everything is stealing intellectual property. Oh, man, now he's speaking in my terms. Yeah. The infosec terms. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, which is something I know a bit about. And and to dumb this down a little bit is I personally know someone very close to me that lives in China— originally from here and has been living in China and working in China for the last, I don't know, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. But anyway, um, he is a teacher, mm-hmm. right? And their social class, for, for people so you understand, 
is you will literally have, and there is no in-between at all, you know, like how people around here in a capitalistic country, they drive all types of different cars. In Mm -hmm. China, everybody drives Lamborghinis, Mm -hmm. and then everybody who doesn't drive a Lamborghini rides a horse. I swear (laughs) to God. Yeah. No, you laugh, but I'm serious. It's It's 100% true. You will have people riding horses next to people driving Lamborghinis. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing about China is, too, is it's all... Um, all the real estate's locked. Yeah. If you didn't know that. And that plays a big factor into all that because that's how they kind of control. Same thing with the United States and the um, like red light district type of thing mm. that we probably have going on. The difference is China's been a country for a lot longer. Yeah. Are we on that same path? With except maybe not communism, although I don't know. Yeah. Late stage capitalism. Yeah. That's Let's bigger, be realistic, dude. That's I mean, a, that's a really good point that I totally glossed over. Is the amount of time that China has existed as a country is insane. Like they've got a culture that goes back ten thousand years, more. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how our country has been around for two hundred some odd years, and it's it's a clusterfuck mm-hmm. in the sense that it is just this enormous, beautiful disaster of an amalgamation of people and ideas, and you know the constitutional republic model like it's it's a big crazy thing but it should be a testament to what we have going on here that we in only a couple hundred years accomplished not just superpower status mega power status Mm -hmm. in a really really short period of time when you really when you think about it in comparison to other countries that have had like they've been in the same spot doing the same thing under the same name for 10 times as long or more what does that say to you what does that mean it means they're haters. It means that they see us <laughs> doing this shit and they're like, no, 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 fuck you. We've been making all your stuff over here and we finally weasel our way into getting, you know, basically extracting all of the wealth and destroying your criti- critical infrastructure and your manufacturing and taking it over. And we've been getting filthy rich and driving around Lamborghinis, like you said, while other people in this country starve to death and have to eat their horse or whatever. You know, you've got the, the insane level of... I won't really call it diversity. It's disparity mm-hmm. in that country of wealth is insane. It's crazy. It's like there are literally parts of the country that are pre-industrial revolution. Yep. And then there are parts where everyone's driving around Lamborghinis. They got mega cities that they just built basically out of nowhere. Yeah, shout in- out my cousin Gary Stein lives in uh, Hong Kong. So yeah, I hear that for sure. Or Shanghai. Fuck. I always get those two confused. He lives yeah. in one of those places. Well, Hong Kong is now part of China again. So <sighs> maybe it's, it, it had freedom at one point. Maybe it was Hong Kong. That he lives in. Yeah, yeah. Hong okay. Kong basically just got, there was some fuckery going on there. And yeah. But here's another thing, though, is that this goes on to the COVID thing, too, is right before COVID struck, there were those, like, free Hong Kong. There were all those protests yes. and yes. shit. Now and then this one is very... Now it's all gone. I know. And that was a movement. That is the biggest thing to happen out there since, like, the Tiananmen Square thing, which, by the way, if you talk to anybody in China about Tiananmen Square, they have no fucking clue what you're talking about. It's very North Korea-ish. It's yeah. insane. Right. And, you know, there's the Great Firewall of China where they have their own internet and, like, you're basically not allowed to access <laughs> like Western networks. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, not my great term. Firewall that's... of China. Um, so I'll preface this by saying nobody nobody dislikes... No, I'm not going to say that. It sounds too much like him. Nobody dislikes Trump more than me. Mm. Nobody's... What is what is he... He always says, like, nobody's le- less racist than I am. Or mm-hmm. nobody... You know, I'm never going to speak in absolutes. That's for Siths. Right. Um, yes. But, uh, it's true. It's very true. Um, so what, what I will say is 
if I'm betting on somebody to quote unquote win this whole thing, yeah, right. I would bet on China because they have more more not just more resources, but they have more aligned resources. Yes, yeah, they've than got the plans. Else. They have the plan and they have the the everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Here, no one's on the same page. Well, here. everybody was not on the same page and then they just went ahead and seized control of Hong Kong. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like they have after Tiananmen Square, um, they ma- we don't even know how many people died after that protest, mm. but the Chinese sent in a portion of their military that their name, I believe, loosely translated was called the Barbarians. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, uh, a lot of the soldiers that responded to the to the protests in Tiananmen Square, like literally didn't know how to read or write. <laughs> And they're just savages. And yeah. that was the point was for them. They were brutal it's as brutal, fuck. Right. And they sent them in and they killed thousands of people. And then to demonstrate to the rest, to ev- everybody, to remember who had the big dick on the block, instead of picking up the bodies, they drove tanks and armored personnel carriers through the street and ground the bodies up with the tracks uh. of the tanks. And then they used hoses to spray the meat into the sewers. How has it not been like a metal album cover of that? Because there's like that <laughs> shit doesn't That's exist. fucking crazy. It took like 20 years for any of that data to leak out right. of China about that. So, so you, you're talking about a totally different, th- they're, that kind of force of will, that sheer force of will that that level of communism can exert onto a population is something that m- people out here do not understand. They no. have no frame of reference. Right. So I, I'm going to make two points here, and then I want to transition to something else. Um, yeah, let's talk about music again. That yeah. cool. <laughs> the two points I want to make first real quick is I, I, I am not a huge conspiracy guy. I'm really mm-hmm. not. I'm very pragmatic where I have to really see yeah. to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say there is th- something in me that with not just anecdotal, but I really have done some deep diving. I kind of feel like powers that be, whether it's intelligence or defense or other countries, mm-hmm. I, I really, even, it, let, let's say Donald Trump didn't word vomit all the time. Let's say he actually was mm-hmm. presidential. I still think there are some powers here that are going to make it impossible for him to win. Oh, they're definitely I mean, working on it. I mean, That's for sure. Like, I mean, impossible I, I yeah you know i think covid's an example of i that. think it is i mean it because it's it, again occam's razor it's like that's really convenient mm-hmm. for this to happen and now the mail fraud thing all this sh- it's like every other day i see some shit about yeah. mail being thrown away in dumpsters and like does it have ballots well yeah. some of it does right. and it's like Who it doesn't knows. seem like a meaningful amount but there i mean yeah you're exactly but I think right this is going to backfire too because here's 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 why and then i want to move on to something else i have in mind but here's why when you do something like this with a pandemic and mm-hmm. if it turns out to be as many of us are leaning towards is that it's not as serious as it is. Yeah. When something actually serious this is a cry wolf here because when something actually serious happens, right. We're so fatigued. If it happens to this generation, we're like, no, fuck you. And then it does yeah. happen. And then we all die. once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a feel, I have a feeling this might come, this might bite all of us in the ass. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna be kind of scary, but we'll see. Yeah. What I wanted to transition back to music, so well, if something actually happened, they just wouldn't tell us. You're right. That's the that's the rule. And then we would just think die anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So either way, can I die at a concert, please? Like, fuck off. (laughs) Get out of my life. Jeez, big brother. Um. So, what I wanted to ask you about was was with Nine Shrines Mm -hmm. and when you were you were in a tag tag for do some math, Ryan, thirteen years. No. 
It was like six, six, seven. I'm not good. It was like oh seven to two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, that would be six years. Thank you. Um, and then when did when did Nine Shrines begin? Um, I met Bayless in. I think the late 2014. Okay, there so was not much time. Not between. much time, and actually, we were we were supposed to have Andrew on, and we had a bunch of complications. He was in town last week getting his shit before moving back to yeah. Nashville. So, yeah, shout out Andrew. Um, so you you really went in this in the spectrum of rock. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the spectrum music, but you really went from one end to the other in yeah. regards to. Going from from scene yeah. post hardcore to yeah. what some may title as butt rock, yeah, or active rock, modern yeah. rock, was it was there like an itch that you were trying to scratch there that you were looking to do something different, or was it was it just just come naturally? Was there a, a a mission there? Was what was it? Yeah, I mean, I Bayless and I talked about this early on. Like, I wanted to I wanted to start a butt rock band. <laughs> um, I. I yeah I mean it's very similar a very similar feel so with like with attack attack that our sound that band was very much so on our terms and I don't know if you guys all remember but people hated it and oh, were yeah. really mean to us for a very long time I did not hate it I was there from the very beginning oh, yeah. yeah, that's when I first heard those sounds of that Korg man. Ooh, yeah, whatever the micro Korg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the uh, we were ridiculed on a international level. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like the the New York Times was like made fun. Of, they ran an article like making fun of us. We were made fun of on Fox News. You guys and asking Alexandria, and then like, God damn, dude! I think I was the only scene kid in high school that wore black yeah. skinny jeans. I still have all my Attack Attack shirts. Yeah. And asking Alexandria. Yeah, shirts. asking is welcome for us going first and taking the brunt of the fucking you know blowback. They yeah. kind of they kind of like squeaked around that and just you know shot past it when it was normal. Yeah, right. So you know, but. The the big thing is so th- through that whole experience, I mean, we didn't give a shit. So I mean, you know, we were a little salty at time, but that did not that didn't mean that we were going to change what we were doing. I feel like, like that's we, the attitude of the entire scene kid thing in general. Yeah, that was kind of really the point, like which honestly because I, I mean, think everywhere you go, you'd be like, oh, dude, you you got those tight black jeans. How do you fit your nuts in there? Mm-hmm. How many? I mean, how many times you probably heard that? Yeah. Seriously, you go yeah. to the gas station probably or something yeah. on tour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if I if I had a dollar for every time just a random person <laughs> in person or if I had an online, if I had a dollar for every time someone called one of us like gay or yeah, like oh a faggot, God. like just went right for the f word, I would be so rich. I'd be Warren Dude, Buffett literally. right now, bro. Like people were so such haters, and I just like it. It blew my mind. And now you don't get it at all because everybody fucking does it now. Well, yeah, but also now more than ever. A lot of people kind of forgot about that. And Punk Rock NBA, I don't know if you guys know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. he did, yeah, so he did yeah. that thing about Attack Attack and was like, you know, basically everyone now is like, oh my God, I love that band so much. And he's like, yeah, like fuck you. It's you were like, one dude, of the ones that dogpiled literally. on and like made fun of them and shit. Now they've been gone. Now you're like, 
oh wow look at all the look at what they did you know look at the look at all the heat that they took and then they just kept pushing forward and just doing our thing Re- honestly just out of spite for a while there because there was like just so much shit talk and just yeah. negativity that it was it sucked like it sucked for a while and it made you know i i can't speak for the rest of the guys but you know if you look at like John, the bass player, he had that huge meltdown. I don't know if you remember that. If you ever read that, that was, article, uh, dude, that was so long ago. You remember I mean, that article though that he wrote that got put up on? Yeah, the, and it was. I was just like, "What the fuck, man?" Yeah, and because you don't. I mean, like, like because you listen to the records and stuff, and like, obviously, like I lived. I know Ryan was never really like the scene kid phase or whatever, but mm-hmm. like, no, you weren't, man. Not like. I was not okay. So we can we can break this down, but like I had the jumper pants and I had the Slipknot shirt. Right. I had the the uh, the uh, uh, permanent marker, my nails black and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I always walked the line between burnout and scene because I never wore like makeup or mm-hmm. did. I got no hair. Mm. I didn't even have hair then, and like. I was I just I, and I'm still this way. I just like metal. Like I I love metalcore, deathcore, and all that stuff. And right. I also like just regular old new wave of american heavy metal or new yeah new right you know what i mean so like that i think my my aesthetic kind of mimicked that for a little bit until i became a normie in high school mm. but in middle school i was definitely i definitely had that yeah but to break this down even further just for the record mm. you ain't never had to straighten your hair every day man yes yeah, yeah. dude and and ever and you know what i'm talking about oh i know that aesthetic and then you know, wearing a jump pants is one thing, but when you wear the skinniest social collision rude pants from Hot Topic, and yeah. you know what I'm talking about yeah. with the X's on. Or before it, that, we literally bro. had to like buy jeans from Hollister and shit. Yes, they and didn't. They weren't even like making you know no. air quotes jeans for men that were skinny. And yet. you know what it's like to go to the fucking female section and buy black skinny jeans because no one was making it now. Yeah. Now you go shopping to H&M or whatever, you can't go anywhere that doesn't have skinny jeans that yeah. are black. Every pair of pants I buy now are basically spray paint on, and it's totally normal, yep. and I'm here for it. It's I have fucking a, weird. I've got a pair of spray paint jeans on right now that have cargo pockets, and it's the dopest shit I've ever exactly. seen in my entire life because now I've got places to put my phone and shit. So anyway, <laughs> to move John's meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that right there, if that did not... <laughs> if that... And if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, there was this, I think it was on Metal Sucks, but the headline was like, John Holgado, mm-hmm. bass player of Attack Attack, is the stupidest human being ever, I think is what the title of the of the article was. Yeah. And they just like, because he wrote this crazy article. Of, I mean, the kid had, he lost it. He broke. He finally had, he, it got to him. Well, and how long have you guys, I mean, you guys are going 100%. For how long at that point? Oh, a long I mean, it time. Was a, it was a while. So, I mean, I mean how long a, can you go like that yeah. realistically? Unless, I mean, obviously you're wired a little bit different, but mm-hmm. I mean, even after a while, I'm sure you and you are like logically oh, thinking I, like, how long can I continue doing this? Yeah, shit? definitely. Let I alone mean, being an emotional person. Like obviously yeah. after reading that, right. he was just yeah. piling and piling it away. Yeah, dude. and so you can understand why, uh, why Caleb treats the band like it's the haunted house that he grew up in you know what i mean yeah like it's the it's the house that bad things happened to him in as a child and like he never ever wants to even talk about going back to it they like but how can you not though people brutalized him and i understand he's a much more sensitive person and i'm not i'm just angry well i remember even when even when austin left and 
God, I even remember this because it was because I had um, I had a couple band members that was in my band that kind of struggled with this. But when when Caleb first went up there, people were like, "Oh well, he's got a certain look and he he's uh, weighs a lot more and mm-hmm. X Y Z." And it's like, dude, they were. I mean, they were. And back then, like how we first started talking about is you would get grilled for anything. I mean, let alone Caleb was up there. Has a bigger guy wearing skinny skinny jeans and shit. Yeah, and he got fucking reamed. Yeah, Have you ever seen Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder? Like, come yeah. on! I mean, yeah. some of these guys are not in shape frontmen. Yeah, but see, with yeah, but this was like the first. But with of, metal, you're talking like, like that, Attack Attack, that's which is different. First of the first. Yeah. The, well, the scene music also was way more aesthetic driven. Exactly. That's a bigger thing. Exactly. And that's, that's not in like death metal and stuff like that. No, it's, you can look like fucking Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, you can look like shit, but if you're like sick, then it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So you know, like, that's because that's not part of the gimmick. And I remember when Caleb first got up there and he, oh God, I'm trying to remember exactly, but he actually talked about that publicly and started going on this weird like weight loss thing. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, but that's what I'm talking about is... Mm-hmm. Is you deal with an aesthetic-driven scene first mm-hmm. off, yeah, and then the fact that you're in the forefront of a bunch of shit to begin with, yeah, and he's like and 15 when constant, this is going on too, yeah, and you have constant you know what I mean? lineup changes, and yeah. he was a fucking, I mean, for God's sakes, the kid was a damn synth player, yeah, and he went from being the damn synth player in the background that nobody yeah. hate to say it, but nobody cared about, even though I love the synth shit, right, but, yeah, and then to the forefront person, mm-hmm. and, and he was good, the leader, and he was really good, yeah. Oh God, when um like the the one um. Smokehannas AC130 what was the name of that album self-titled one yeah mm-hmm. and dude when that first dropped it was so much heavier than someday came suddenly and mm-hmm. i was like god damn yeah you know what i mean and unironically i didn't even know it came out my mom showed me she's my mom's big attack attack fan that's amazing which is funny she actually took me to my first couple my first show was attack attack even nice. house of was blues that, oh oh nice like that was like dude that was like 2009 2010 2010 2000 yeah, yeah. 10 mm-hmm. but anyway um yeah it was just and and i think uh that was right when that transition was happening yep when caleb left or no sorry caleb was made that transition yep and then that's when all that shit started happening and yep. then it's like like you said caleb like looking back why would you ever want to go back to something, I mean, you yeah. spent years and years of this group, and then the the constant lineup changes and everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, it yeah. was, I think you and Caleb were the last original ones, right? Um, uh, me and Whiting, the original guitar player, were the last two that were left standing. Um, my person, I I only was able to see you guys once at uh, Rockapalooza. Oh, nice! That was like at the Devil end. Wears Prada. Yeah, that was at the yes, end. Yeah. yeah, I was fortunate enough to have all access passes for that. Nice. Um, that was that was a good show. Was it? Wasn't it a couple guys from Wu Tang on the other stage? I'm not sure. Probably that sounds so. right. Yeah, because there was like a hip hop stage and mm-hmm. a metal stage. And yeah, this is in like this fairgrounds. I don't remember where it was, but it was pretty cool. Um, up it, north somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't or I guess south from here. Well, west from here. Something. <laughs> One of the directions. Um, it was in Ohio. I know that. Yes, much. it was. I I think, and now that I'm like thinking about it, now that I did a little bit more research, it's there are a few bands, whether it's in in the scene category, the metal category, or in any other genre, there are a few bands that kind of branch off and and really they become 
pre-super groups, meaning they mm-hmm. started and a bunch of uh, guys in the band went off and did these other huge things and you're yeah. like, whoa. And I think when I was doing my research, um, Phil, mm-hmm. I'm Abomination. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. I just discovered them and I've been around for a, a minute and I oh, just yeah, discovered, long time. discovered them like six months ago. They oh, did a really? song with Ben Durr from uh, 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 Shadow of Intent. Okay. Uh, very cool. Uh, it's a song called Deicide. Because at first I I looked and I was like, wait, Deicide made a song called I'm Abomination. Nope, never mm-hmm. mind. Um, so that was kind of cool. And he's got a really unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but with you and, and and we go back to the the Nine Shrines thing. And you've mm-hmm. got by the way, you you your doppelganger or his doppelganger. You're like Ben Burnley right now. Like oh you, yeah, you got the Ben Burnley look, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, when he was skinny, I hope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I, I hope you're not listening to this. <laughs> if he is, uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, did so. What I think you were trying to get at was when you were in Attack Attack, you were doing things, you know, on your own accord. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. I don't want to say that Nine Shrines was quote unquote playing it safe. Mm-hmm. But when you do go for a more mainstream sound, you're also appealing to a wider demographic. And really, unless you're doing something like Puddle of Mud or whatever, right? You're you're not really you know, inviting a lot of hate into your brand. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's... Except that, what's already built in. Right. Well, yeah, there's a, a certain stigma with, with that genre, of yeah. course. Yeah. But in, in that genre, you know, yeah. and even in the mainstream, because there's a lot of people out there who don't listen to rock and metal who would know a Saliva song. Who yeah, Who would totally. know a, uh, you know, Breaking Benjamin or yeah. a Disturbed song. Mm-hmm. So you're really making... It, was that the goal to be more accessible? Not really. Okay. I, I just wanted to do it. Okay. I when when I was younger, I grew up listening to that kind of stuff. I grew up listening to you know POD and Earshot, and <laughs> um, I was just talking to one of my colleagues today about this. We were going down this list of bands like f- even Nickelback. Oh boy, Creed's like one song. You know, Fuel. I, um, feels, she feels interesting. Damn, you know, two System of a Down's another good yeah. one. That's kind of a wild card thrown in there. Um, but I mean, there were tons of these rock bands that just incubus that peppered across the early 2000s that were all very mainstream deftones is another one Mm -hmm. too like that are just like there's a thousand of them and a lot of them are really really good but yeah they're really commercial but that was just something that i love that kind of music too i love all kinds of music right and now that with attack attack and with scene music especially at the time there was such a glass ceiling over artists like that because they hadn't received mainstream acceptance yet. Yes. So it's like, I really felt that I had done all that I could in that space and I wanted to try something different, something that I would have more opportunities and potentially if I do well. And which I think, you know, that the definitely some of that came to reality. I've, yeah. I've, you guys played a couple of really big festivals and mm-hmm. I did your tours and everything. So yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of stuff that we accomplished with Nine Shrines, even with, you know, we had a lot of hurdles to get over too, because as it turns out, one of the reasons why there aren't a lot of new artists kind of breaking into the rock space has to do with the fact that that whole area of the music business is kind of like stuck in a time capsule mm-hmm. and it's run Especially by with radio. It's run by old people. Yes. And old people ruin everything. Yep. They are fucking I don't want to say they're stupid, but they do not adapt. Especially on social fucking media. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a 60-person, like, a, even 
45 to 50 year old person's like social media presence now put them in charge of like the arts mm-hmm. and tell me how do you think that's going to go but i think radio is a huge point of that and i yeah i don't remember who i had this talk with oh uh, it was uh uh oh, sorry buddy but it was taki from uh, adam to eve mm-hmm. um i was telling him about we were we had a really long phone conversation about how active rock radio is you turn on any local active rock radio station they're still playing stuff from the 2000s yeah serious radio they're a disaster still playing like liquid metal i love jose mangan that's my dude yeah but the guy does not go out of his way to discover new music shout out sean the butcher who we had on the podcast who is his right hand man who goes and does that for him yeah in a lot of cases but you look at programming in general and a lot of people you know yes there are people like ian and myself and and probably you and others that curate a lot of their music from spotify and Mm -hmm. it's easier to find new talent in that way yeah but there are still a lot of people who get their their music discovery from terrestrial or satellite radio yeah and because a very rapidly diminishing number i'll tell you well for terrestrial not so much satellite and picture this though satellite radio so Jose was quick to adopt Nine Shrines, and we had a lot of success on XM, on Octane. Octane. Uh, I think we had... Shout out Vincent Usarella for that, I too. I think we had him on uh, Liquid Metal, too. I can't remember That's at cool. this point. We drank a lot at the time. <laughs> but, you know, the, to their credit, for us as, you know, a breaking active rock band, they were really, you know, accepted of us and were willing to put us in power rotation and, like, get us out there. Do you there think that had anything to do with... with Okay, let me phrase it this way. Would they have treated you any differently if you guys were just new and weren't from other bands? I have no idea. Do you you don't have any inclination on that? I mean, here's the thing. From my perspective, I I've been on on a discover new music kick lately. Same. And it's really hard because it feels to me that there's kind of a vacuum of creativity. 100%. And it's been going on for a while. In a lot of genres. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, there's just nothing new. There's nothing cool. There's nothing really fresh. You there's ever nothing... wonder, like, when in time there will be nothing new because it's impossible? Well, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think that I'm not exactly sure. I've been thinking about this, and I'm just not really sure if this is... Um, if this is a consequence of a shift in culture or if it is the fact that I'm 31 now and I know a lot of dudes that I was playing in bands with, you know, back in the early 2000s to like the 2010s that have just left the market. Yes. Like they've, they're like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm going to go get a job and like do all this other stuff. I can't do that. Like I don't, I don't want to do it and I won't do it. I've music is going to be a part of my life as long as I can make it a part of my life because it just derives so much not happiness like joy and fulfillment for me that I can't get rid of it like I would rather hodgepodge five jobs together and have music be one of them than work one career that makes more than all five of those and I think that's again with with our lack of concerts I mean I I probably went to around 50 to 70 concerts a year Mm -hmm. I mean I just go all the time yeah and even with this podcast I was going even more than normal yeah and we we went to a lot of shows yeah and I think I've played like a thousand oh yeah I can't imagine I don't even know how many I tried to count it count it up one day and I get like 600 something I'm like a fuck ton yeah I've played a fuck ton of shows that's what I know the issue is when you when something is gone that quickly like that from us it's like literally taking a part of our soul yeah oh there's, it's huge there's no replacement yeah and i am like I, and I now hate- you know why i want to tar and feather mike dewine yeah like you've taken something from me that i cherish and that drives a huge portion
portion of my like the happiness that exists in my life. You've taken it from me and you can't give me any real reason why. Every time you try to explain it, your data doesn't back you up or it doesn't make any right. sense or whatever. And it's like and here's the thing, I never like I never root for people to fail, but if there's one thing that I, that has has broken that rule and I'm sorry, but I root for these live stream concerts and I root for these drive-in concerts to not do well. Yeah. Because yeah. if they do well, oh, this is going to be the new normal. The, yeah, right. Well, fuck that shit. Yeah, absolutely not the mo- fuck yeah, not. No yeah, way. no way. And you know what's funny? I don't... Who? Uh, I will pull up with a trailer with a PA system and a generator yeah. to blast pink noise at them. No, just to blast, just to ruin <laughs> it. Just to blast pink noise. Just who, fucking... Who were we talking to earlier this year? And it was, it was like, I swear to God, it was weird because it was a month or two before COVID. And I don't remember, what, it, was it Sean the Butcher, Ben, or some, yeah, Ben Sheagle or somebody I was saying, we were talking about the future of music. Mm-hmm. And I said, unironically, and I called this shit, is that the future of music would be live streams oh, and no. chat VR rooms and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't know how much you are in tune. I know you said something about you're in tune with like IT and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking to Mike Tata because uh, he's yeah. from AEG. Yeah. Which is also interesting in correlation to all this. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I was sitting here saying, and then you both were kind of disagreeing with me that this would be the future. Yeah. And right after I said that, not even a month two, this is the future. And I never said it was going to be good. And it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you guys were disagreeing with me wholeheartedly, saying there's no way that ever happened. And it's just, it's not to say I told you so, but I told you so no, in a weird. It's, tempor- it's the temporary future. Well, and we don't, but the thing is, is we don't know well, what's for temporary because you're talking about, you were talking about five years. Mm-hmm. He was talking about 30, but the the the, well, no. the realistic outlook on this is mm-hmm. we just don't know. Yeah. And we don't know if we're ever going to uncover the reasons and what is the long-term realistic outcome from an industry and financial and political standpoint yeah. of- the future because even if we do prevail and there is physical shows mm-hmm. because we live in a capitalistic country yeah. and now live nation has taken taken advantage of that yeah i mean it's going to basically be a the time capsule of bullshit mainstream artists so they can collect their check and do whatever they want yeah 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 and with the venues that are left yeah 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 that totally they already conveniently control yeah yeah, but there is a caveat to that, and that is, yeah, 90% of independent concert venues are going to go out of business. Um, usually for a figure that big, I'm like, okay, how do you mm-hmm. figure that? But from a lifetime of playing in these shitty independent venues, I can oh, tell yeah. you that they've been like minutes away from bankruptcy. Margins at like 2%. Forever. Yes. So hell yeah. COVID just accomplished in five months what was going to happen in five to ten years anyway. Like Perhaps. These places can only stay in business for so long. Mm-hmm. And I've watched over the years clubs close and never reopen again. Yes. All across What's the country. What's here? Peabody's. R. Yeah. R. Yeah. Um, but the, to Live Nation, though, they don't dick around with a lot of smaller stuff. That'll be something they'll work to acquire moving forward. Yes. But there's going to be a huge vacuum created in a lot of these markets and... Not to give away my battle plan, but 
my ability as an independent artist to distribute my music through major channels is right there. Like I actually just signed a distribution deal with a major distributor. So like now I have my own record label that has major distribution and I can get into every, uh, not yet. Okay. (laughs) I can get into every major retailer with this distro. I can get pitched for any playlist I want. Like there's, I have access to all kinds of, you know, um, utilities that I did not have before. And that would have made me shit my pants 10 years ago. You know, when Attack Attack finished its last album, I've wanted to start my own record label for like seven years. And when we finished our contract with Rise, I was like, never again. I'll never sign another deal again. I did. And I regretted it very deeply. But if I had access to the stuff that I have now back then, it would have been completely game-changing. Oh, for sure. When it comes down to analytics, when it comes down to the ability to reach major channels without having to either pay a shitload or, you know, either up front or on the back end, like, all that stuff. But now we're moving into a way I can build a website and I can literally just add to, like, WooCommerce a ticketing plugin and I can sell my own tickets yeah. to my own shows. And the I DIY artist them. is it's so easy now. It's easy, but it's also comprehensive enough and it's polished enough that for the end user, and this is the big hurdle that had to be gotten over, was the experience for the purchaser of the ticket needs to be comparable to a major you know, Fortune 500 company like Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Okay, yes. And where our competition comes in, my fees to sell tickets to my own shows, which now this comes into another reason why I wanted to get into event production and stuff, is like I can, if I have the money, like say Attack Attack announces a show, you know, like, all right, hey everybody, COVID's over. Reunion show. Yeah, we got a You're show. It out. We got a show coming up four months from now. Yeah. You know, I do a big fucking run up to it. Is this? Is this? Is this? Uh, are you? Are you projecting right now? <laughs> I. If, you know what? I would love that. Uh, you know, that would <laughs> there be great. Are actually, a lot of bands that I'm colleagues with and whatever that are that that are literally that haven't been around for like ten years that are like. This is our time. We're gonna fucking do it. When this is over, we're gonna do it again. We yeah. Because I think people have taken it so much for granted. Yeah. That they're like, oh my god, let's let's do it. Like, yeah. what the fuck do we have to lose now? If I know I can sell the tickets, I need a room. You'll be able to. I sell need a room tickets. with a bar that has power. Do you have a PA system? <laughs> if the answer is no, I don't give a fuck. I'll bring one, right. a sick one, because I know that I can sell this much. Like, or if it's a big enough show, if it's a big enough thing, I'll get someone else to pay for mm-hmm. it. You rock star energy, you know, monster energy, whatever, some sort of CBD was that company. Cold cock whiskey that everybody had. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. But yeah, you know, it's like when you get into that level, it's like I don't need a concert promoter. No, I don't need that shit. Like I can use advertisements and all this other stuff. And then also, if I can have a actual retail platform built into like my website or my merch store, then and this is the big killer. And this is where I think uh, Live Nation and AEG and a lot of the big players will overplay their hand is when you buy a $25 concert ticket, by the time you get to the end of that checkout mm, in bucks. Ticketmaster, yeah, it's 42 fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. So if I take over my ticketing, I can charge you $25. And after fees and everything, it's $28. Yeah. You know, it's like whatever sales tax or whatever oh, the sure. fuck it's added to it. Yeah. So now... Cutting out all the middlemen. On the artist side, I could play like <clears throat> a room a third the capacity that I know I can sell. Mm-hmm. And I can charge people more than I've ever charged them before while also simultaneously charging them less than they've ever paid for a concert of that kind. But now, see, here's the deal. Not Yeah, and now I control all the ticketing and the promo for it, so it's like I keep all $25. Not every independent artist has that hustle. 
That's right. That's they don't. The problem. Yeah. A lot they, of. I mean, a lot of them are gonna be like, okay, Live Nation, you guys can do it. Well, yeah. Well, but that's like the thing you said is so many smaller artists are gonna get left in the dust, mm-hmm. and this is where the power vacuum comes into play. Say I start doing that for my own band, it starts taking off. The first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hop on the Ohio BizServe and I'm gonna fire up an LLC to do ticketing and, and concert promo because I'm gonna find a few spots that I'm that I know that I can work in that are on death's door. Like whoever's left in the 500 cap space, like I'm gonna be calling them and saying, hey. I'm going to put a show in here. It's going to sell out. I'm going to give you like a rental for your room. And then I want, you know, 10% of the bar or some shit like that. And they're going to be like, okay, please, we need customers now. The year is 2060. Wetzel Entertainment is now the monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> That's how Live Nation started. That's how you, you're going to yeah. go. It's just one circle. Yeah. But I won't, you know, I won't be the only person doing this. There are a thousand guys just like me and a thousand different markets that are just waiting. They're waiting for that space to open up where some like dick concert promoter has been out there getting hammered running a shitty business like not bringing the right shows to town like whatever that's not an unusual story anyway. dead romeo yeah oh jesus christ what a fucking name you know that is an inside you already explain that dead romeo i we do a lot of electronic music Mm -hmm. and he's just a shitty promoter and producers done nothing but fuck people over yeah and everyone's smiles name comes up. I'm usually the one to bring it up, but it's funny. Yeah. Hey, and if you if you ever need a band, I know a really good uh, butt rock band named Audience of the Rain. Maybe they did a they did a uh, Backstreet Boys cover that's got like I don't know 400,000 plays on Spotify. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew's familiar with with my band. I'm not gonna say it's my podcast. I hate plugging shit. Um, a- Andrew Bayless is very familiar with it. Because okay. Because they were, uh, I guess before I came by, they were talking to him about doing some co-writing stuff. Gotcha. Um, and they might have actually played with, we. They, I didn't join until 2017 or 18, but they, did you guys ever play Ink in the Clink? No. No, not at the Incarceration Festival, whatever, no. No. Okay, so maybe we tried really one. hard, but, uh, you know. We, we at had some a, point, I think they shared a, a bill with you at, at some point. But anyways... Probably. Um, here's what I'm going to say about the timeline. Because I am actually... And I've talked to... I have friends at Live Nation. And these are not friends that are making these awful decisions. They're just people that work at Live Nation. They're yeah, not that I, high up. They're great yeah. people. We actually had... A shout not, out the Justin. board is making these decisions. Yes. Everyone Grassi else just was works on, there. Justin Grassi was on our podcast. He's the Live Nation uh, House of Blues... Uh, Cleveland d- director guy. So yeah, sure. We, we I've got friends. I got friends at AG. I've got friends at Danny Wimmer. We had yeah. Danny Hayes on. Yeah. Um, I've talked to all of them, and I've come up with a kind of a, a, a consensus on when things are returning from their aspect. Because if there's anybody I'm going to trust with the forecast, it's going to be those people. Because that that's obviously as we've said, who's running the show. Right. Pun intended. Yeah. But they also know as much as we know, which is nothing. Right. So. <laughs> When you look, everything is going to be driven by this vaccine timeline. Yeah, or Regeneron or whatever. Whatever the it's fuck be a is, pharmaceutical is going to be a therapeutic. And a right, exactly. And actually, uh, it was kind of kind of cool that one of these companies is developing a vaccine that is both the flu shot and COVID in one uh, vaccine, which interesting will be nice for some people. Sure. Um, but the initial wave of Phase one vaccines is coming in January or February, and that is for frontline workers only. Mm-hmm. The second wave, which is teachers, childcare workers, 
uh, and I, I have this memorized because I've looked at the graphic more times than I'd like to care for. Yeah. Uh, People in prisons and people with severe disorders, that's coming around March-ish. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are coming around May, June, July. Right. The entire country will, as long as people w- will actually do them, Yeah. which I don't care how much I believe or not believe in COVID, I'm just going to get it. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck because mm-hmm. I just want to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, will be in August, September, whatever it is that, that mid to late summer area they're saying, and that's what Fauci said. And we can talk about Fauci, I'm sure for days. Yeah. But, um, he said that's when normal comes back to actually being normal. Yeah. And that's why I hate the term new normal. Cause there's not a new normal. It's just normal for now. Yeah. With that said, I think your small shows due to not only, not only this, this vaccine schedule, but also, general fatigue it's gonna get to a point where everybody's gonna stop caring yeah um well, i think we're there i think we're up we're think i think we're just just creeping into there yeah well it's not gonna be like a thursday to friday or a friday to saturday thing we're already deep into the process of people not giving a fuck yeah because now everyone's tired and angry right and they're not being presented with like they don't see the mortal danger but i don't think people are taking that into action yet and that's my point i think people will i'm watching it start to be taken into action okay, it might be it's just that maybe you don't see it around here. Or right. also, the other thing is a no, lot Florida, of... Florida, they just got rid of all their rules. Yeah, they're like, yeah, fuck it, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I mean, they're doing okay. Yeah. If that means I have to go it's play America's a show graveyard first, anyways. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's America's graveyard, and they're already not doing that bad. So you right. have a state full of old people. It's like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. If that's the worst case scenario, then like I'll book a show there next month. Yeah. Well, I think I think Florida will be the... the like You're going to have a bunch of shows there pretty darn soon. Probably. Um. So I, I think right now what what I've gathered from my people at Live Nation AEG is it's very much a, a PR thing. It's yeah. Very much a no one wants to make the first move because no one wants to be that guy. Yeah. No one wants to be liable. Well, that's no, that PC culture exactly. shit where it's like, and well, it's, you know, and, and we don't want to be the first person. I'm like, to just get the, fucking do it. Everybody yeah. else will follow. If one of you big players does it, everybody's following. No yeah. one's sitting back and be like, oh, yeah. Sorry, Live Nation. I'm AEG. I'm just gonna sit here and watch yeah. you guys fuck up. But you know. No. But if they do it first and it's not what, you know, whoever's in charge of this whole scam does, then they're going to get lambasted on a major level. See, and that's another thing that's a problem for them is if I go out and book a show in Florida tomorrow mm-hmm. and I launch my ticketing platform and I do my own thing and I just fucking put my middle finger in there and I say, fuck the man, I don't give a shit. And I go down there, I'm going to get away with it. Why? Mm-hmm. Because no national organization is going to come after me. I'm too small of a player. If Live Nation starts doing shows someplace, they could very seriously come under government scrutiny. Well, and that's why I, I was going to say what I'm saying is these small shows, these these little clubs, the fantasy theaters, the the not Agora's just yet, but some of these 300 to 500 person yeah. clubs, you'll see January, February, there will even be tour circuits in those places. Yeah, you'll you'll see that. Yeah. It's I think the time of no live music is coming to a close. I yeah. think in twenty twenty one at the beginning you're going to start to see these small. Whoever's playing them is a different story. What's but you'll that? see these small shows. What's that fucking? Vi- oh, like trapped was just on tour <laughs> i think and they're like playing in indiana somewhere yeah. and they're just like we don't give a fuck and i'm like i can see that yeah i can see that you don't give a fuck yeah, no one gives a fuck about you guys either but well that's okay i mean they still draw crowds but like they're i think that they're right Some now they're probably crowd. they're doing better just because they're the only game in town you know what i mean oh 100 so it's like I listen. I am not a fan of Nickelback. I like Creed. I like Theory of a Dead Man. I like. Brady but you Manchin. don't like Nickelback. I, I know my band gives me so much shit for that's this. so like, odd. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I know. I don't. Chad writes all of like the theory stuff I, anyway. I don't, He's like I a don't, major contributor. I don't know. 
I don't know. I can't explain it. My point is... Your biases have overtaken you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would see Nickelback live in a second. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I don't care. But like, they right also now, put on a great show. Like, so I've heard that. that. Yeah. But my point being is I would I would just see anybody live. Yeah, I'd see I would fucking... kill a man in front of his own mother to see Shiny <laughs> Down like tomorrow. Christ. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So, small shows... We'll be back. I don't care if the beers are twenty dollars either. I'm getting hammered and I'm gonna go deaf that night. (laughs) (laughs) Um but these small shows will happen from these independent promoters such as yourselves and other people. Yeah. And I think that will open the door. Yeah. Because once you have a market that's getting small shows every weekend or every other weekend, that's kinda gonna kinda be the signal. You know, kind of the war. If I can weasel into that beginning of the opening which can. i'm trying to yeah. i mean yeah you're right as soon as people see that because they're going to see it start mm-hmm. happening and they're going to go fuck i want to go and right in that minute i don't care about COVID anymore that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. they're like all right they had a concert everyone had fun it's fatigue man and it's fomo most, too it'll be for sure fuck yeah fomo yeah. is way more powerful than COVID. oh yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah take that's that to the so bank buddy true yeah but here's the other thing is even for people that are still really scared they're going to watch and they're going to just be like, all right, that concert happened. Let's give it a couple weeks. See yeah. what happens. Yeah. And then when fucking nothing happens. Nobody died. Then they're going to be like, got I'm sick. getting hammered. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, if, if, if these concerts are mosh pits with masks, I'm still for it. Yeah, whatever. Like, if that's yeah. what it takes. To, if that's what it takes, I don't care. For now. But you can't. But, but once it goes on for a little while yeah, and like everything's fine, everything then I'm going to be like, I don't, I don't give a shit. But I, I think... Uh, the one thing that I've always said to to people that are not familiar with with the metal rock genre is, you can't socially distance at these concerts. Fuck no! I don't care if you were like, "Here's a pod, here's a pod, here's a pod." Yeah, mosh pits happening in the middle. People are up on the barricade. It doesn't matter what yeah, rules you set. Totally, you have to kick everybody out. You know, and the other thing is, man, I've been put. I can't tell you how many packed shows I've put on in the middle of fucking flu season. I never heard anyone give a shit about that no. ever. No yeah. one ever mentioned it. It's or like even oh. swine flu, yeah. or, uh whatever the bird flu. Yeah, I don't. There was oh there was all all kinds of ones. Um, you know when the swine flu? It was either bird flu. I think it was swine flu was the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swine flu was the first well, one. SARS was before that. Was that yeah. bird flu? SARS one because this is SARS two. SARS one was the bird. Flu. Oh, there's like, th- I think there are thirteen SARS viruses hmm. like in this in this umbrella that Haven't are all we tried sprite and chicken noodle soup and blankets like the south park did with the size Maybe yeah it's, cr- what, it's what just need to do. crazy but i mean like <laughs> dude when when swine flu first started you know where i was i was playing bamboozle in new york around fifty thousand other people yeah no one gave a shit about they're like oh swine flu that's fucked here's forty eight thousand people all smashed together in a concert in new york where the air is terrible and you know it's like upper respiratory infections are already basically guaranteed in high um population areas because of traffic and low you know people were like hey if you're if you're feeling sick stay i was i was in my first year at kent state in a dorm and there were it was simple if you feel sick Stay in your stay in your room. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that there was nothing. There was no masks. None of that. Yeah. I By mean, the way, side note: that same exact year, three hundred three played Flash Fest outside my dorm. Nice. So we were talking about three hundred three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I mean, you're gonna shut down the whole world for something that's like, yeah, it's worse than the flu. Yeah. But it's not two million people dead worse no, than the it's flu. not the bubonic plague. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's so, not that shit. I think with the timeline, that's what I'm saying. When we all say we don't know. We kind of know. Yeah. We, 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 
We'll I know more never after going the election. To be an absolutist. I'm never going to say this is never ending. Yeah. I'm never going to say that because yeah. pandemics, and I actually just read about this the other night. Pandem- and when I say read about it, we all heard what I think of sourcing. So I, I read about it from reputable sources. Pandemics, vaccine or not, will average 18 months. Yeah. That's the average until they die. Yeah. Whether it's from herd immunity or vaccinations right. or whatever right. it is, 18 months is the benchmark. Or it's just they don't all killed out. Than that. Right. <laughs> it's just killed everyone it's going to kill, yeah. and now here's what's left. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we're nearing, I mean, I mean, we're not, if you look at November being year one, because that's when it was supposedly yeah. at Wuhan is November. Yeah, yep. We're, we're getting there, Yeah. you know, and it could be sooner than that. So I think yeah. by spring we'll see a, a decent, concert scene back yeah by summer we'll see i hesitate to say full festivals i really do because that's a whole different ball game yeah but i think outdoor events will perform better oh right away than indoor but i also think that uh after the fomo is going to be the thing that makes any violations unenforceable that's Mm -hmm. your first thing i mean already in ohio they're having a very difficult time with enforcement because they continue they've lost like every fucking case against the state well and i think that's why they keep changing the the colors of the counties yeah and they they also have to keep moving the benchmark for literally everything because you're red now make sure you're make sure you're red i'm like i don't feel any different than i was when i was orange or yellow yeah right (laughs) yeah right i don't perceive a change and that is one of the biggest hurdles is that the majority of people do not perceive any major threat Mm -hmm. and so because of that they can only be pent up for so long before they get bored and then as soon as like as soon as the clouds start to part a little bit yep everyone's gonna rush outside yep and there's not and it doesn't matter if it's over or not it is it's Mm -hmm. over now Mm -hmm. i thought that was gonna happen this summer i really really hoped that that would be the case and it kind of did and didn't from numbers standpoint yeah however you make with the numbers it sort of did and i think they probably maybe played that the way they wanted to play that but um I, at this point who knows i don't know it's just such a clusterfuck yeah man so what do you so so besides your label mm-hmm. uh, what what are you what are you doing to keep keep busy right now in regards to just anything music related or anything otherwise to i mean i've been time? i've been writing a lot um i've been working on some different projects Shrines is working on some new music finally, um, which is cool. And so we're just trying to line up, you know, releases and stuff. And the label thing was kind of fell into my lap. And then I realized, yeah, that's I definitely want to put a lot of time and effort, which is one of the reasons why I moved to Cleveland. One of the major reasons. Is everybody from from Nine Shrines in this area? Um, No, Devin, the bass player, still lives out in Maryland. Okay, so how's that going to work? Um, well, than just sending stems and things, we can't go anywhere, so it doesn't right. really matter. But so. yeah, I mean, we they, we do everything digitally at this point, okay. so like it's everyone's got DAWs. Ayla's gonna has, record you guys. I mean, that would make sense. He's probably gonna mix it, right? Okay, but you know, it's we have four out of five band members are at least an engineer, okay, if not more. Well, that's, so like that's awesome because honestly, that improves your songwriting yeah. so much because you so know that, what you're capable of. Well. It can, but usually it ends up in us like. You know, <laughs> I guess if you have four of them, making it impossible to finish anything ever. Yeah, you know, because you got Bayless wants to be in charge of everything, but then, you know, he'll be busy doing other stuff. Or he'll that's just... something I wanted to ask you about. Actually, is when when you were started in Attack Attack, you were the oldest member, mm-hmm. and how it is in my band, I am I turned thirty in a month. But all of the other guys are in their mid to low twenties, and there's a difference. I yeah. mean, no matter what age you're, but especially in your twenties, you're just in a different place. Yeah. And and I've noticed, I already you know being a full time music management 
owner, agency mm-hmm. owner and all this, I kind of have the business side down and mm-hmm. everything. And I know that you were, you were very much the same way when, mm-hmm. when you started. So I, I have a, I have a hard time. I have a hard time. I don't have a t- hard time being a leader, but sometimes I have a hard time being a leader without having to be an asshole sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then you hurt a lot of butts and mm-hmm. you, you have to walk on eggshells. And, and mm-hmm. do you have any advice in regards to like, being productive and still getting your point across because I feel like <clears throat> sometimes I don't necessarily get the the uh, what what am I looking for the clout or, or what the respect that I, that my history should kind of dictate because I you know I've been doing this for a really long time and I'm never gonna sit here and be so arrogant to say that I'm always right and I'm definitely not I'm wrong right. a lot but sometimes I feel like I'm really trying to get this in the right direction and. It's really hard because in any band you have so many different yeah. conflicting thoughts and yeah. How did do, do you have any advice to balance that kind of thing? Um, not really. Uh, I'm not sure if I was successful at walking that tightrope or not really because it's I've just definitely a curse. Well, I mean it's left versus right hemisphere. Yeah. It's feeling based versus you know thought based. I'm very analytical, very not conscientious of people's feelings <laughs> and then also the other thing is i have very limited social energy so my ability to entertain people that are really sensitive is greatly diminished I'm and then i get too. frustrated and then i'm like dude fuck off like right. whatever i don't give a shit so you know i'm probably not a great person to ask about that however i do have an extensive history struggling with it <laughs> so you know <laughs> all right well i just have someone to relate to yeah the, you know honestly the biggest thing is uh being able to read the room and read people that you're dealing with and you're working with and find a way to, instead of saying, this is my idea, finding a way to go, well, I've seen this work with this artist or this artist, and this is a strategy they took. And I like the way that they did this part and this part and this part. And you present, you have to present your ideas with examples to people that are more creative so that they can look at it. And then in their, you know, special mind, they can process whatever that is and then come to some kind of conclusion. And then from there, you know, just kind of see where the conversation takes you. Right. But it helps to, you know, work like you're a defense attorney, essentially, that you have to present your case. And this is why I think the way that I think. And these are the examples that I have for it. And here's my source material and yada, yada, yada. Or this has been my experience in the past doing this, this and this. And then ask and then ask questions, like basically force them to participate to the point where if you're convincing someone that's being a brat and it's just being difficult or being a diva, then what you do is you need to make them participate in the conversation. So that way you can make it clear that there's a hierarchy here, that they don't know what they're fucking talking about, and you do. And they just demonstrate it all on their own right there. So that's why you're going to go with your idea. But if you like attack them, they're going to dig their heels in, and then you're fucked No there. pun intended. Yeah, right. So that's a big thing is like being able to understand what type of a personality you're dealing with. Are you going to have to kind of coax them? Are you going to have to draw them out into a trap where you basically go... I know that you don't know anything about this, but I also know that you're going to fight me about it just because you're one of those people. So I'm going to draw you out into unfamiliar territory for you and, and make you look fucking stupid or whatever. You like, definitely are a drummer. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, as you know in a band, there's two types of people. There's drummers and then everybody else. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> the drummer and the singer are the two most important people of any band, so. Hey, and you can't. Guitarist, and, well, guitarist, yeah. you guys can fuck off. Dozen, you guys yeah. can fuck off, man. Well, but see, here's the thing, though, is like. 
If I had a dollar for every drumstick I threw at a guitarist, Chris, I'd be Chris a rich and I man. joke about this, and people, very, I think a lot of people have uh, a false understanding of kind of the, the hierarchy of musician in the band. But the one thing that is for sure is that bass players do not matter at all. Oh <laughs> hell no. No, yeah, it's like not even fucking required. Like you, you can just backtrack it, bro. Exactly. It doesn't matter. We, everyone's got a laptop and an interface that you can run multi-track through. Like, sorry, yeah. you know, at that point, whatever. A bass player is just a guitar player that didn't make it. Oh. But so, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, man. If, if I can pick up bass and start learning how to play it as just a lifetime drummer, then not playful, I mean. yeah, like whatever. Yeah, and there's like there's now. I will say this though. From my perspective, just going totally analytical, because it's all funny and there's all the jokes about drummers and bass players and and singers and everything, and they're all true, all of them. But the big thing is, from a live setting, if you have a shitty vocalist or a shitty drummer, there is no way to cover it up. you can't fake it, dude. Everyone knows. People that don't have a single ounce of talent know when your drummer sucks and when your singer sucks. So that's why they're the, they are objectively the most important members of the band. If they suck, your band sucks. Like, sorry. Yeah, that's because, it. I mean, shit, dude. Like, even, even like, going outside the realm of, like, rock bands and stuff, I played in snare line in high mm-hmm. school and stuff. Right. And um, you, can't, you just can't. I mean, you can't if cover you don't it up. have rhythm, you can't play the fucking song. There's not enough I mean, reverb have to have and delay rhythm. to fix that. It's fucked. Like, there's, yeah, yeah it's fucked up. And, and being from a rhythm standpoint, I mean, you definitely have to be a very clinical type of person i feel like to right. be a successful drummer right um and you have to obviously have a certain amount of creativity but it definitely narrows more to down and, and like even at band practice stuff and i'm sure any drummer can relate to this is you have to keep this shit on track because you'll have guitars mm-hmm. doing 20 other th- different things fucking yeah. around yeah you're like all right i got the sticks in my hand i'm sitting behind the set yeah. And I can't sit here, stand around, and jump around and fuck around. So let's do what we're here to fucking do. Right, yeah, totally. As the driving force. Yeah. And yep. even the singer fucking falls in the line of that bullshit, too. Because, I yeah. mean, when you're sitting behind the set, it's not like you can go anywhere. It's like, it's kind of like a weird fucked up prison. Yeah. But, like, you have free reign of your own prison. Yeah, right. And it, right. Like, and unless you're a drummer, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, totally. And... Yeah, you definitely like like just talking. You could tell like sometimes you talk to people. You can tell if they're if they're yeah. a musician what yeah. they play. I know which one you are. I will say this though, uh, on the same like on the other side of that coin though, when you have, it's not as uh, you don't perceive the difference right away until it's been fixed if this makes sense so in a live setting if you've got a really good guitar player a good drummer a good singer but you have a shitty bass player yeah it just kind of like muddles the whole sound it's not right away apparent that they're playing all the wrong notes or whatever yeah but when you add a really tight bass player into the mix it like the difference it makes well that's that's when people go that band is fucking sick. Not well, that band was good or like, yeah, I had a yeah. good time. It's like that band fucking rules. Because you, you can kind of bullshit fake like studio time and really like Melodyne or put things in certain time. Yeah, totally. You know, from a producing standpoint. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of my own producing, so I know a lot about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you play live, um, and as a drummer, I think especially one of the things that I learned in concert band way even before I started playing like drum set is my one middle school instructor told me if you fuck up, I didn't say that obviously, but mm-hmm. if you fuck up, roll it off and keep going 
and try not to fuck up more. Yeah. Because you can have a couple fuck ups, even as a drummer or an yeah. important piece, and people won't know the difference generally. Right. Um, but it's when you continuously, even on like something that doesn't matter as much as a bass, it ends up just mudding that whole sound, yeah. especially in the low end. Mm-hmm. And if you're playing on a really good like festival rig or something, mm-hmm. oh my God, you, you'll you be able to tell after a while. Maybe yeah. not at first, but yeah. like you said, after a yeah. while, yeah. Yeah, well, the groove falls apart. Yeah. And then when that happens, and, you're, you're toast. And you know, and it's like, you know, a bass and the kick have to go along a lot together. And if they're constantly mismatched as a driving rhythm, yeah. then that's not a good thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's called the I, rhythm section for a reason. Even, and I think, you know, we said all band members aren't equal. That's true. But they're all equally important yeah. in the way of if you have an A list you know setting or band mm-hmm. you want to have it be as tight as possible yeah and that involves even going down the line you can't drink or do any other things especially as a drummer keeping the rhythm and mm-hmm. i'm sure i don't that's something i struggle with but mm-hmm. yeah who it's see, who did we see who did we see in the, this time last year that we said was the tightest born of osiris yeah, sucks that's not what I'm talking by the way <laughs> okay no, right no, 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 no. we're not gonna do that that, that was not born <laughs> of osiris's no. fault born of osiris was, that was the sound guy that was the sound guy no, i think it was uh, i enjoy those guys i guess we'll differ there no the tightest band we saw no we didn't we know that was that was like two years ago bro talking about this time last year see my concerts we go to uh oh. come on after the, burial. after the burial okay yeah. so well, tight I mean, yeah that makes sense they were just just fr- from from Everybody on that stage was just flawless to a T. Yeah. It was like that's like Mashuga when I saw. Yes, Meshuggah, I saw Mashuga too, and the, I mean those guys brutal. been doing it since '89. So I, well, yeah, you, you my know. whole life, literally my whole life. Yeah, but yeah, right. also, brutal. It was just so brutal yeah. how fucking tight they were. I'm yeah, like, there's certain Ow. bands, and I get it with the. But after the burial, I was like, I wasn't surprised because I know those guys are phenomenal musicians. Right, totally. But, but when I you see it, it was it was not just that, but it was almost like. When you listen to a tra- an album, mm-hmm. you're like, well, "This is this is the best because it's so perfected to the studio. Right, it totally. can't get better than this. This mm-hmm. is the best." And then when a band goes out, and this ha- doesn't happen often, but when a band goes out and does a, a, a instrumentally, not just not visually, but instrumentally, yeah. a performance that's better than a recording, yeah, you're like, w- "What? Yeah, like it just defies all logic." And yeah. I was just like, "Wow." Man, it was it was nice, and I love seeing bands like that that are that are that, are that tight because it doesn't just it's not just a concert then it yeah. becomes more of a euphoric experience. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Where all the all the pieces of the puzzle have to have to mesh right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah I've, well, we were pretty bad for a while. <laughs> So that's. I mean, all bands. I, before I and I'm not gonna say I'm the reason we're good because I'm not. Um, before I joined, I've, I went down the rabbit hole of some of the, my bands, like old old YouTube videos mm-hmm. when they were all in high school and stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, oh it's hella cringe. Yeah, yeah. But I think we've we've come a decent decent. Yeah. Way. Well, you know, technology helps a lot. Once we switched over to like full in ear monitor system, I remember the first day that I played with full in ears. It was the first day of Warp Tour in 2011. And I have n- I have never felt that embarrassed in my entire life. Well, I was especially like, as a drummer, dude, you don't realize because you can't fucking hear anything over the cymbals. Yeah, because they just cut 
through, and and you don't know unless you sit right there and you're yeah. mashing these things. Yeah, but you have to like, wear earplugs or like whatever. You just have the metronome in, but you don't hear anything else outside of that. But yeah, I, I played with in ears that day, and I was like, oh, it's God, it's a godsend. I walked off stage, and I just looked at the other guys, and I was like, why didn't you tell me? And they go, tell you what? I'm like, I'm fucking terrible. Like I'm awful. That was fucked. That was completely fucked. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> and then I watched a video of the same <laughs> oh, show, dude. and I'm like, that's not that bad. But and at the time, it, it but occurred at the time, me, you're always like. But when you can hear, like the way my mix is, it's obviously I have every, so I can hear my whole kit yeah. perfectly, and then the metronome's in there with it. So what I hear is totally different because I hear the computer, I hear the perfection, and then I hear exactly what I'm doing alongside of it. So Which it's is, like it's ultra weird because it's yeah. almost like. But once you add and if everybody you're off else a little in, bit, it creates like a little bit of like a weird, um, like flam type yeah, sound, right? And and if you drum, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. and it's just weird. And then it, but at it the same time, fucks you up even more. Yeah. Well, at the same time, though, I also learned that I can change the feel of an entire part by playing either slightly ahead of the metronome or slightly behind it. Yeah. And that's yeah, and that's, that's a different and you can thing never, too. But you can never. The weird part. The weird thing is you can never play on time. Because if yeah, you play on time, it's like overly, it sounds um, just like blaringly loud. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, so once everybody else in the band has the same metronome and now we're all playing to the same benchmark, mm-hmm. that changes the perception from the front, like from front of yeah. house incredibly because now, you know, I kind of switch back and forth between playing to the metronome and playing to my other bandmates because I know yeah, that they're playing to the metronome. Right. So depending on what part of the song it is or what's going on, I might just kind of ignore the click and just play to, you know, Whatever. one or both of the guitar players yeah. because it's more important that I'm in sync with them for this part than it is that we're that it's perfectly to the metronome. Well, especially with like because nobody else hears what the metronome was, in the it, crowd, so they yeah. have no fucking clue right. if you guys are blowing it or if you're doing the, the best you've ever done in your life. That, yeah, and and especially like with what attack attack was is is very. I mean, metalcore in general is very rhythmic, mm-hmm. very. So for a drummer, it's a little bit easier to pick up off mm-hmm. the instruments. Yeah. If I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, I mean, Whiting and I, guitar player for Attack Attack, yeah. we're locked the fuck in. Yeah. So when like you when play with play someone together, for so long, yeah. it's like you ha- start to have almost this weird. Like I've played with this guy, this one particular guy, through in every band I've ever been in, and him and I just, I mean, when we sit in a room, it's like instant mm-hmm. ideas. It's like we're you almost become kind of like the same person from a musical standpoint. Right. Yeah. And. And if you've been in a band with someone consistently a long amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And if you, especially if you played out a lot with them. What's interesting too is, and I don't know, you'll probably recall this, but as a drummer, um, when you would practice and then like, you know, you play like smaller venues, they never mic your drum set. Yeah. But then when you start playing bigger ones, they start micing your set and it sounds completely different. Yeah. And it's just it's it's something, let alone with the in ear thing. It's because mm-hmm. I mean guitars. You're always playing through an amp. Yeah, it always sounds the same. Vocals, you it always is the same. I yeah. mean, but drums is like you got 
30 different things in front of you mm-hmm. and each has its own specific sound and we yeah. start miking it especially with smaller venues they never mic your shit when you start playing bigger ones then they right. mic your shit and it's like oh my god my bass drum has all this boom yeah <laughs> and it's like every time i do a kick i could feel it mm-hmm. and you don't you don't get that in a practice setting which is yeah. also another weird totally small thing yeah yeah anyway uh, my last note on on good live performance because we brought it up before we came on is is a uh, star set. And yeah, they do what I you know we 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 talked about earlier how there's just not a lot of new things happening. Yeah, I think they're an exception. Yeah, because I mean, and not necessarily from a from a sonic standpoint, but I think from a live performance standpoint, with they they do a really good job of having a theme. I don't call them gimmicks. Yeah. Because a gimmick is an intentional, satirical kind of thing, whereas yeah. a theme is is something you're pretty serious about. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a theme; they do they pull it off better than than anybody else I've seen. My favorite genre of TV and movies is sci-fi. Yeah, same. And I'm very, very much a stickler. Yeah. On okay, they have to have the right year. They have to have the right like aesthetic. They have it has to be realistic for me to to believe it. Otherwise, I just it I write it off. Yeah. And not to say that that. I mean, in Star Set's music videos, they do a really good job of, of that kind of thing. But yeah. I think overall with their live performance, they, they kind of bring you into a new world. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's uh, that's something that you don't, you see a lot of these bands, and there's nothing wrong with a band that wears all black on stage or wears jeans and a t-shirt or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, it. not everybody has to be a gimmick. Not everybody has to do theatrics. Not yeah. everybody has to be motionless and white. You know what I mean? Right. But... Yeah, but Star Set committed to it. I mean, it's yes. not it's not just the live show. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It's the whole I love it. And the from lyrics, the start, too. Even if they write a love song, the love song has to do with frequencies and outer space and, yeah, right. and, and all these things. And and, and it takes, it, one, it takes a group of people who are really on the same page to get that done. Yeah. But what it does yeah, for it a band. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort, but, but you see that effort pay off if it's done right. Right, absolutely. You know? So yeah, and you're right. Nobody likes Star Set, so obviously it's not working out. Yeah, well. <laughs> exactly, dude. Actually, uh, I'm in this this uh, serious liquid metal Facebook group for whatever reason, and somebody was like, "Post your top five tracks of 2020 because you can like search that or something." Mm-hmm. And on everybody's, there was at least one Star Set song. Yeah, totally. Like these guys are like the most under the radar, over the radar band. Yeah, yeah, That's I agree awesome. with that because they, I mean, their streaming presence is massive. Huge. But yeah, you don't really hear them spoken about a lot no you don't which is weird and i mean i get it because when you even when you listen to them with good speakers stuff because they've got all the synthetics and they've mm-hmm. got all the the 808s and really cool you yeah. know they've got a violinist a cellist and yeah like you can do some cool ass shit with all that yeah so, totally from a sonic standpoint it's very much an enthralling experience yeah um but i think coupled that with live there's just not a lot of bands that 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 put that much effort into it anymore besides yeah. maybe you know a slipknot or some of these other legendary bands right. that do emotionless and white or whoever right. ice nine kills a great yeah. example right so that would be you know just a tidbit there because i know you you said you you know some you you have you were in bands with people who are in star set yeah or, yes yeah who is who is that evan the rhythm guitar player for shrines Okay. He was in downplay with uh, Dustin, who went on to form Star Set. Okay, okay, I had to put all that together. That's why I said it's like yeah. it's a bunch of supergroup. But type of so thing. yeah, downplay's uh, last album somehow Dustin managed to get it back from their record label, oh. and so Star Set's first yeah Star wow. Set's first album is a lot of those downplay songs like retooled. 
Can you check out Downplay's music on Spotify, or does that? I'm not sure. Not distributed because I'm curious. I have no idea. Were they Columbus band too? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Dustin lives in Columbus right now. Coming out of Ohio, man. Yeah, it's uh. Speaking of flying under the radar while also being over the radar, Ohio. Oh, Ohio for sure. Yeah. I mean, you've got old cats like Ringworm, Mushroomhead, Chimera. You've got you've got the middle group, Tech Attack, Devil Wars Prada, Miss May I. Yeah. Black Keys. I mean, I was going with, with, the, with the metal stuff. But yeah, Black Keys. And then you've got, you know, Beartooth, which is, is obviously yeah. an offset of that and Star mm-hmm. Set. And yep. <laughs> Shout out Sean, DJ. Uh, you nice. got, you've got, yeah. Ohio's Ohio. It's always been that way. Metal Injection came out with a, a article a year ago, and it was like a deep study. They like did like like what would be considered a clinical trial for drugs. They did it in music. Okay. And they came out with what cities have the most metal bands per capita? Mm-hmm. What cities in the entire world? Yeah. Cleveland is number one. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Cleveland's well, been a metal slash hard rock stronghold. It's forever. so fucking depressing here. You know, it's just natural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's it's true. Our weather and our sports and all that nonsense. Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to ask Mr. Fanboy before we uh, let Mr. Wetzel go here? Uh, not really. No? Yeah. My, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good conversation. I'm actually uh, pleasantly uh, surprised. Very, very knowledgeable person, so. Yeah, not as stupid as everyone thinks. Yeah. That's right. Well, sure. I'd honestly, I mean... Fuck if I knew. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not often you really do meet, like, people that are very analytical, got all their facts straight, and they don't talk bullshit out of their fucking ass. Mm. I mean, like, everything you say is very clinical to the point. I mean, it's not... We don't... We've had a lot of people in this podcast. We've had a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And, um... I don't know. Like, one of my other favorite interviews we've done has been... Uh, what was it? Anti-Flag? Yeah. With, uh, Chris... Chris number two. This is uh, one that's definitely up there. Chris, uh, Chris from Anti Flag is very, like you, very analytical, clinical. Everything he says is very, I mean, it's not bullshit. Mm. I like that. Well, so. we, had that we had that discussion about how, uh, with with in regards to the Second Amendment, in regards to assault rifles, and we had a discussion about how one of the th- theories uh, for pro-assault rifles is that they need their guns to, in case of a government insurgents. Mm-hmm. And Chris kind of, you know, shot that down saying, and, and it was, to, I made the point as well. And listen, I'm not ever going to, I'm not the type to take people's guns away kind of thing. But w- what our point was is if the, if the government really wanted to fuck with you, they'd send a drone into your house and without you knowing, and no assault rifle is going to kill the government. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was some really interesting topics in that. Tell one. that to Afghanistan. Well, yeah, but the, the the United States is a is a completely mapped out area, and if the government wants to kill you, they'll kill you. You've never been to West Virginia, let me just tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's there's a there are some logical flaws with that, which I won't bother getting into. But it's uh, basically the U.S. military has been conducting a very long survey on how to fight an insurgency, and the answer is it's impossible. Yeah. Like there is zero situation where the u.s government prevails in like a war against the government from a civilian population they can't win and most of it has to do with the fact that the second they start shooting civilians they're looking at a at 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 best 50 percent defection rate 
inside the yeah. military. And all it takes is one sub captain with nukes to defect to the rebel side for the rebels to be nuclear. Like it gets out of hand super fucking fast. And nobody wants to nuke themselves. No. And so it's so like it's a no win scenario, which is why it can't happen. But it's also like it's too late. That's the other yeah. thing. It's way too late. There's we own forty percent of this of the guns in the world. Like our civilian population owns forty percent of weapons privately held in the whole fucking world. So out of seven billion people we own 40% of all privately held firearms. Which is crazy. And trillions of rounds of ammo. Like, there's, that's, America is uninvadable by a foreign power for that reason. If China managed to fuck our whole military and all 13 of our aircraft carriers, that's fine. Good luck in the mainland. Like, yeah, you're really. fucked. You got a bunch of yeehaws that You have can't, because been... you have to field your military from across the world. We're yeah. walking out of our basements. And this is our turf. So we have skin in the game now. Yeah. So like that's the you're you're talking when people make the which is very interesting to me is the the whole like gun argument is is very uh duplicitous. Well, especially you have capital in that kind of too with your business. Yeah. I mean, it's Oh, and I've, that's, but and I've that's, studied it at length for yeah, a long time. Right. And that's what I like about I guess that's what I like. I mean, I don't really talk about this much, but I guess that's what I like about this podcast is we have the chance to do our interviews and meet like all types of different people. Yeah. Um, and especially from a music standpoint, you know, you listen to the records and everything, and and you don't really associate the people on the records as being real people. I guess does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then when you actually get to sit down to talk to people, it's it's really surprising. And yeah. I think you know the saying, right? What's ne- that? Never meet your idol. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I almost, I almost. I can't even really say that's true in certain situations. I mean, I've met a lot of people that I looked up to that I was severely let down by. That's true. Yeah. And and I think, I think when, and like we've been doing it and we were going to do it a lot this year until everything kind of obviously fell apart. Yeah. Well, um, you definitely get to meet a lot of interesting people. Yeah. And it's weird how sometimes you could put them on a pedestal yeah and then sometimes people i mean that you do kind of put on a pedestal they do live up to it yeah right but um yeah it's definitely interesting yeah and then like i'm saying basically gets my point with the podcast i don't know i've learned a lot since we started doing this and i've learned a lot even sitting here with you i've learned a lot sitting with chris and a couple other people and doing Mm -hmm. the stuff that i do with you in our conversations ryan um, that's just kind of cool, you know. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really, because I didn't know much. I don't follow you on Twitter or anything, right? And I just pleasantly surprised. No, I don't really have anyway. anything really else to say other than I don't. I'm just, it's cool, man. I don't know. Well, I think, I think what what's really intriguing is always, you know, where I can sit down with a Chris number two and have that discussion. Yeah. And he's, I'm like, he's right, he's right. And then yeah. I can sit down with you and have the same discussion and be like, Andrew's right, Andrew. Yeah. Right. So like there's always going to be a compelling argument for one side or the other yeah. or the other side wouldn't exist. Yeah. So it, it's it's a really cool just to dive into that and not be an echo chamber and be like, okay, yeah. I can see I can see where both of these sides make yeah. some sense. Well, and that's the thing is the dialogue is honestly more important than the consensus. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that uh, we're not really putting a big focus on that right now oh, no. in society, but is that's the thing that I really like about podcasting and you know why i was excited to to do this and come here and just kind of like i have no idea what i was walking into so i'm like yeah whatever but i don't you know i'm i'm used to that and i don't really care and but the other thing is that um you know for me specifically especially now people are really worried about being right or wrong and 
I hate that mm-hmm. because I don't want to be right. There's no accountability. I want to be correct. Yes. Like I want to be able to say what I what I just said to the best of my knowledge. And that's the other thing is everything that I say is to the best of my knowledge. I don't know if it's correct or not the same way that, you know, the scientific method continues to change what we accept as being you know, and the listen, Joe Rogan who has, has the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah. And he is very much a conservative person. Mm-hmm. He says all the time, listen, I have my beliefs. I'm a jackass. Yeah. I believe what I believe. Most of the time I I look up what I look up and I make sure I'm right. But I'm I'm a fucking I'm just a meathead that yeah. that's a comedian UFC announcer guy like yeah, I'm not right. a scientist I'm not a this and that I'm yeah. just here giving you my opinion so take it or leave it and I yeah. think that goes back to people being so impressionable because yeah. someone of, of of fame or power or whatever says something oh it must be true right yeah it must be true right. because I saw it on a major syndicated news network mm-hmm. one way or the other well it's that's there's a lot of power behind that so mm-hmm. it's probably right mm-hmm. well. Is it, or from my standpoint, it's I, then to me that says, well, they have a lot of power, so that gives them incentive to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that the the vaccine arguments. You know, it's a really good one. It's like, well, mm-hmm. okay, on one hand, I'm suspicious of a lot of vaccines, but not of the science. But there's no room for that conversation. It's you're either pro vaccine yeah, or you're anti vaccine. No there's none of that. It's- I can't. I'm not allowed to say. I think that the Gardasil vaccine is fucked. And the reason I think that is because it's patented, because it's intellectual property. Hmm. And because of that, there's no accountability for its effectiveness. Now, you go to an MMR vaccine, which has been public forever and is made generically, there's a ton of competition. So it'd be really hard to fuck that thing up and have no one know about it. Well, yeah, it's it's so. I mean, every human's been taking that for. I don't know how long that's been around, but yeah, you know, MMR's been around forever, like yeah, decades. Yeah, you know, so it's been. It's there's no. It, there's no IP involved. Tuberculosis, polio, like these things that are that are yeah. ancient. MMR right. doesn't come from one manufacturer like Gardasil does. Mm-hmm. Gardasil is only made by one company. An MMR vaccine can be made by like any pharmaceutical company. So, and that that's a big thing is that competition, and that's the difference between like being right and correct. Is being right is vaccines should be taken Mm -hmm. being correct is okay i agree that vaccine science is real Mm -hmm. and actually extremely interesting Mm -hmm. however i'm also going to acknowledge the fact that there are bad people in this world that like make billions of dollars selling drugs that don't do what they do or they cover up stuff which is why it's like you see the commercials are, do, you, are, do you or loved ones suffer from mesothelioma <laughs> you know what i mean like you know why that happens because they knew or they were just incompetent and overlooked it and you know whatever yeah. so it's like there's there's always that's why the dialogue is important because you don't get to that part of the conversation when everyone just picks a side right no i 100 percent. but i digress really, no that's a really good point to leave it on because in the world of social media, how we started this conversation is you have to be the last one to talk. Right, yeah. You have yeah. to be the one at the end that says, I'm right, you're right. wrong. And The conversation was over before it started. It was. Because no one's going to be convinced of anything. And it's not a conversation. It's a shouting match. As, as a, and I'm a proud centrist because I like to, to recognize both sides and I like to agree with both sides because yeah. there is no right or wrong there's correct right. like you say and it sucks because as a centrist you get hate from everyone yeah nobody well, likes you fuck them yep exactly which is that's been my stance forever and yep. you know what i learned that from being an attack attack i was like <laughs> you know what i'm never gonna make anyone happy apparently so fuck everybody else and the people that come out and are like oh my god i love your band it's like you know what 
thank you. Yeah. Would you? What can I do for you today? Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean. But everybody yeah. else that's in the absolute punk comment section saying van flip and shit, like you guys can burn in hell. Yeah. Like straight up. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. When COVID is over, when not if. Yeah. Like when some of these people. Yeah. When COVID is over, and we go back to regular normal, we're gonna have you back on because I want to. I want to. I want to see how our perspectives are at that point. Yeah. What has transpired? You know, because we've got a whole lot more we could talk about, yeah. and I'm sure there will be a lot more that has happened since then. Yeah. So. What do, What do we know in the future, man? If we could go, is there a time? If there's a time machine, there's gonna be a rip in this room right now, and I'm walking through it, being like, "Dude, yeah. don't do it." Don't, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, coming on, and uh, yeah, is there anything you wanted to plug before we vamos? No, I mean. If you uh, if you feel like searching me out on social media, you can find me at Andrew J Wetzel. That's pretty much it. I mean, any update in my life will be on those channels, or it won't because I'm, yeah, right. For three months, right? Yeah, it will or it won't. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to All Things Music Podcast, guys. If you can, please like us on Facebook, All Things Music Podcast. If you can go to Twitter, ATM Podcast. Uh, what else? Uh, money, yeah. Say <laughs> some money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I'll take yeah, a we don't have a Patreon. We should get a Patreon though. When I think when things get ra- get back up, we're gonna do a Patreon with with bonus content. No one wants to see us on OnlyFans. I promise you that, man. Yeah, yeah. Put a Bitcoin wallet and say I if you don't want to see us, it's a reverse OnlyFans. Yes. If you don't want to <laughs> see <laughs> this, then just go ahead and give us five dollars now. Oh my god. Here's the address. Thank you. Exactly. Please, uh, on Apple Podcasts, like us, rate us five stars. Follow us on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're literally on every third-party podcasting website. Appreciate your support and everything. And as always, we're out. <laughs>